Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com and I'm Martin Bushby here with Benno and Benno, how are you this month, mate? I've, um, I was hearing on uh, Grapple that you've been knocked out with uh, COVID again. Yeah, hey, I, I managed to go two years without getting it a second time, so I'm counting that as a win. <laughs> I, I've, as I've said to you before, Martin, I got it before it was cool. You know, I got it before there was even testing uh, right at the very start, like uh, almost two years ago and it was one of them where like, I remember telling people I thought I had it, and everyone's looking at you on, are you sure, you dickhead? Are you sure you haven't just got a cold? Mm. And I can confirm two years later, getting it again, that, yeah, symptoms are pretty much the same, and I feel pretty much, uh, maybe not quite just as shit, thanks to the uh, the booster vaccine, get yourself vaccinated, everybody, um, but still feeling, yeah, the same amount of rough, but ah, I think it's going to happen, mate, you know, I was out and about, I was in Brighton, I was in London, I was at RevPro, I was at TNT, you know, you, you you go out into the wild, and at this point, you've got to kind of expect it to happen. So, yeah, I think I'm through the worst of it now, but if I throw the odd coffin on this episode, uh, I will apologise ahead of time. No, you're fine. But, um, yeah, Brighton's um, a weird one for me, because it's always, uh, my life's been a couple of times, and then I've got some friends that live down there. But I always think as, like, a northerner, you look at it on the map, don't you, and go, oh, my God, that's <laughs> miles away. But but how, how was it? Is, it? is it a good time? I always hear, like, fantastic things about it. Yeah, I, I definitely had that same reaction where you just look at it and go, like, it's, like, the furthest possible dot on a map. Um, and you think that must take six years to get to. And, yeah, you know, when, when our mates, like, the, the likes of Joe and JP and that were going down to Riptide, I was like, ah, I'm not going all the way down there. Don't be ridiculous. It's an <laughs> hour on the train from London, actually. So, yeah, maybe I would do it again. Um, but, no, great city. Hipster city, isn't it? So lots of craft beer, lots of uh, lots of nice hipster coffee, not, lots of nice nice food and stuff. Um, I want to go, go back in the summer, maybe going in the... the the uh, mm. the dead of winter isn't the uh, the ideal time to go, but no, it is. It's a it's a really cool place. I don't uh, don't hold it against them. Me uh, me coming back with COVID, it's, uh, it could happen anyway. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I've had an open invite from a few people to come down and crash at theirs and stuff. So I might uh, take them up on it this summer. It certainly looks like a cracking place to go. But um, mm. as for me, Ben, I um. Kind of feel like you're the you're like the young whippersnapper of our sort of like podcasting circle now because I turned the big forty since we last. How did recorded, that go? You know, and yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I had a, had a great party. Uh, tons of like friends I've not seen in ages came out to Sheffield, and we all had a all had a banging night. Uh, Lisa took me down to London for the weekend. Had a had a great weekend down there in London, and uh, but I kind of feel like you're sort of like you know the kid in our group now. You know, you've got JP, JP, and Gareth approaching retirement age now, aren't they? And then there's and then there's you, the sort of like the cool young one, telling us what um, what are the hip things to do these days. Don't think that's true, mate. I went to a Royal Rumble party while I was in Brighton, so I don't think I'm doing the hip young things. Um, <laughs> if you do want to go to a Royal Rumble party, our friends are hooked on events, we'll sort you out. Um, but yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? That was fun, though. It was funny. Like, we going to like a. WWE like live events like well not a live event but you know what I mean watching watching it in like mm. a, a room full of WWE fans who we were saying in the grapple pre-show the other day you know that that maybe you know that's all they kind of watch um is WWE and it's you know that they're, they're taken in by you know some of the, the stuff that we'd roll our eyes at you know Baron Corbin comes out in a rumble and and they're cheering and stuff but I was very impressed to be honest because one of the uh, the quit one of the the quiz teams in our uh, in the quiz that uh, that Steph hosted at the uh, the hooked on party had a uh, I think that, I think their team name was something like um, Jimmy Havoc is my delivery driver or something like that <laughs> and she picked it as the winner of the like the quiz name because there were a lot of good quiz na- like team names 
games that people put together. And then there's a lot, a lot of ones where, you know, like Quiz Benoit, that are, I think every single pub quiz that has a wrestling theme, mm. um, somebody goes with that one. And she picked that. And to be honest, it got a big pop from the Brighton Faithful. Um, and then when she said Jimmy Havoc was shit, that got a big pop as well. So, you know, <laughs> they know the wrestling in Brighton. Uh, they know the stuff, even the, uh, the WWE fans at a, at, a, at a hooked on party. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, there's always that one, isn't there? And then there's always universally challenged in a sort of like a regular pub quiz. And you can even see the uh, sort of like the quiz master sort of rolling his eyes when anyone sort of like comes out with those most obvious names. So, yeah, there's always, <laughs> a, there's always one that goes for that one. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, it sounds yeah. like... Um, so it does sound like a fun a fun time. There was someone actually um, at, at my party where Lisa's sister fetched along and he's like, so he was a big WWE fan and said he's completely mm. switched off from it now and just watches AEW. So it does seem like even over here, we are having that shift from people who don't listen to it. He never listens to podcasts. Even when I was telling him about mine, he was like, yeah, I might mm. listen to it sort of thing. So even you are noticing that shift even over in this country that people are sort of like leaning more towards AEW and the like. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing about it here, isn't it? Whenever we talk about impact on this podcast and, you know, their successes over here, I think we're just... I think there's something about, like, the way we all grew up watching wrestling. It was a TV product, wasn't it? You know, in our generation, you know, speaking of us being older, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, the live (laughs) events kind of atmosphere or having, like, our own... There wasn't a Brit Red scene, really, you know, when it comes to the early 2000s and stuff, and obviously that changed with Progress and Red Pro and the like, but I do think there's something about that detachment and, you know, not having that that made British fans kind of gravitate to wear crate and be a little bit more hardcore or maybe it's just the fact that it was on a sky channel at you know mm. half three in the morning or whatever that we all to, to be a wwe fan in this country you kind of have to be a bit more hardcore and then as a hardcore fan as with anything with beer with coffee with food you know you start trying to find well, what's the best of the best what's the cream of the crop um and, and like i think that resulted in a lot of you know tape traders in this country a lot of power slam readers in this country a lot of people who'd like i say be, be more apt to know who you know that Kurt Angle was the best wrestler in WWE or know that you know AJ Styles was killing an impact or or know that New Japan was a thing so I think that's kind of the same with AEW like I say we've got a I, I would guess I'd love someone to do like a Mucky Garner or someone to do like, well maybe not these days a Brandon Thurston or someone to do like a study what is like the percentage of like hardcore fans in the UK because I would say like we're a high, you know, it's a high intelligence level, I think, across the board, and a high percentage of fans are non casuals. Whereas, you know, in the US and other places, you know, there are hardcore fans, but they make up maybe a, a lesser percentage of the overall. Maybe that's why an AW tends to take more in a country like ours. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, like, I mean, um, I was reading um, Ressaway Day's great thread about um, that revival show that's 20 years ago this month. Got to talk about like feeling old. Um, but yeah, when you look at that, and it's like mm. that all came about just because of you know word of mouth and talk sport and things like that, and they packed that place out. So it's just it is just funny where you know British wrestling fans all sort of like gravitate to to things like that, and like you said with TNA and stuff. And it's you know as much as we might go oh, well ITV four, you know late mm. night on Friday and stuff like that, or on Tuesday now with Rampage, but it's still like accessible to people who go, oh, well, check this thing out. I don't want to pay any money for it. Oh, I'll just watch it on ITV. And then if they do like it, then that's when they're going to start spending money on it and stuff, aren't they? Yeah, people find it, don't they? Like, I, I always think that, like, you know, I go around to my mum's, you know, and I'm in, 
in, in my mid thirties and I do a wrestling podcast, you know, it's one of them. Uh, you know, I, I feel judged when I go back to my mum's house about it all. But like, hearing uh, me stepdad, like, oh, how is the wrestling podcasting going? And I try and explain it to them, and I can tell my stepdad's looking at me like, oh, that shite you watch, because he probably, you know, he turns on Sky Sports to watch the footy, and there's an advert for, you know, whatever Roman Reigns melodrama is happening on SmackDown this week, or whatever shite is on WWE main roster. And there's still that barrier, I think, explaining to people like that that no, no, the, the stuff I watch it's it's much cooler yeah. honest it's it's aw it's new japan it's it's the japanese wrestling that that's the stuff that i watch uh no i don't, I don't know if that translates to be honest <laughs> but yeah that is yeah well it's same, it's same with my mom she's like um uh you know when i was going down to red pro quite a bit sort of pre-pandemic she was like mm. i was like oh, i'm going to london what for wrestling rubbish and i just go yeah yes mom yes wrestling rubbish. <laughs> i remember um and 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 I see. I think she still remembers when um. So my my dad used to take us to sort of Sheffield Arena to watch WWF house shows and things like that. And then the last one, um, was the WCW house show with Hogan uh, against Flair um, in Birmingham in '94. And then my dad was like, "Right, this is the last one I'm taking to you." And then my mum came along with us to that one. And then I think she still sort of like brings up. She was like, "Oh, that was the last <laughs> show you were supposed to be going to." And yeah. then all these years later, you're still fucking going. <laughs> but honestly, that sounds like my mum because my mum had, had a bet with me when I was about 13. You will grow out of this shite by the time you're 16. 37 today, mm-hmm. Martin has a city at hosting, you know, one of my many <laughs> wrestling podcasts. So I don't know who lost that bet, me or me mum, but, you know, maybe me in the long run. But, you know, yeah. I think we're just that generation <laughs> who never grew out of it. I think that's just uh, that's just who we are. Yeah, I remember she uh, even tuned in a bit to the... Um the the live um, sort of charity show we did and she was did like you? sent me a message yeah she sent me a message saying I don't understand what you're seeing all this wrestling rubbish but um, I think she tuned in uh, she was like oh Benno sounds like a nice guy and I just <laughs> uh, I just heard the bits with Nate Milton he sounds lovely and I was like oh <laughs> <laughs> that's such a mum replace I know yeah <laughs> no, that's it I think you uh, anyway. you you whitewashed our reputation with that one, Martin. It's like, oh, we did something for charity. They must be doing something with their lives. It must be something good. I think that's gonna that's gonna help us for the next couple of years there as we, you know, get into our forties and try to explain why we still host wrestling podcasts. But ah, whatever. I love it. Yeah, why exactly. Not? And we didn't we didn't have to do any exercise or run a marathon or anything for it. So yeah, there you go. Money for charity. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Work smart, is it? Yeah, that's the old. Uh, but uh, anyway. Um, Obviously, there's um, no Andy Ogden with us this month. He, he's taking a month's break. But um, obviously, since we recorded last, we announced our big live showing in conjunction with uh, you guys at Grapple on April the 3rd in Leeds. Um, Graps and Claps were originally supposed to be doing a show that day as well. But I think for obvious reasons, um, that's um, they're no longer going to be involved. But um, Benno, are you ready for the first big announcement since we made the show announcement? Go for it, mate. I've been excited. First time in a long time, but back like I never left. Taking these things as it comes, you know me, I don't read ahead. Watch me burn down everything, BDE on the TV set. When I'm in control on the road, you can never really know what's up next. So joining me now, our big announcement for the live show at the Northern Monk Refectory in Leeds on April the 3rd. From up next, it's the one and only. He's come back to England for one reason, and that's to do a live podcast. It's Davey Portman. 
Hello, hello, hello. Martin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, mate. Even more excited to be announcing you as the guest because originally you were coming up as a, sort of like a guest as part of the BWE, but we've had a massive, massive upgrade. You're going to be now um, doing a live up next show as part of um, a part of our big podcast day, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah, that's the plan. Unfortunately, um, our our Patreon money is only afforded to send me back to old Blighty, so uh, won't won't have my usual partner in crime, Braden, with me, but. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing a little bit of a uh, an up next show um, in Leeds, uh, and I think this is the first time. Uh, if you've ever listened to Up Next, we've been doing our our kind of big sort of uh, games on Twitch. We just had our Up Next Rumble, uh, won by John Ceno, who's going to be headlining this year's Up Next Mania. And well, with with WrestleMania this year being two nights, well, why can't Up Next Mania be two nights as well? So I think we're we're going to have uh, some fun and games at uh, at the brewery for Brit Res Podcasting isn't dead. Indeed, yeah, because obviously, yeah, for people unfamiliar, you know, these games are sort of like really infamous now in sort of like the world of podcasting. You do the Rumble one, you do the Up Next one, always, always a great time and and a great laugh for people who have been involved in that, either just watching or as part of the games themselves. I mean, do you find it sort of like hard to sort of like top yourself? I mean, you've had a variety of stuff, haven't you? Sort of like uh, sort of chili sauce eating competitions, <laughs> flag matches, a variety of sort of different quizzes. Do you sort of like find it hard to sort of top yourself each um, year and each event? I mean, definitely. And I think uh, Dickie Bird, who stepped in and obviously he's been working with with you on the uh, on this live event, uh, has helped tremendously kind of uh, create sort of our collective vision of what we want these games to be and outdo ourselves each time. Um, It's weird because I I don't really ever get nervous doing a, a podcast anymore. But when we are doing these games, I I kind of feel like I do back when I was acting and it's kind of that uh anxiety before you go out on stage mm. it's it's quite a production to try and run it all because obviously we've got all our trivia questions together we've got all the videos that we put on the twitch and um and just trying to be entertaining hosts as well so it's it's always good nerves but it definitely feels more of a performance i'd say than when we're just podcasting usually and and to get the chance to actually do it with uh, a live audience and be able to get people actually involved in person in this game um, is is going to be pretty fun, I think. So you've got like sort of like six or seven weeks to come up with something. Can you sort of like tease us and stuff or you tell us what people can expect on the day? Um, I mean, it, it's still kind of we're putting the card together right now. All the uh, all the rivalries. I know your your partner in crime, Andrew Thompson, is shooting his shot right now. Uh, calling out our man Neil for a match at Up Next Mania, but I'm thinking there's there's going to be quite a few people at this event. So uh, to go with tradition with WrestleMania, I'm thinking maybe some sort of Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal we could do. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, whether that be using trivia or I don't know how physical we can all get in this day and age. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing people out the brewery. Um, no, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of ways we can maybe get some of our audience members involved and uh, maybe some prizes and things to see who will who will stand proud with that Andre the Giant trophy at Up Next Mania. 
Excellent. Really, really looking forward to that. And um, yeah, everyone, you can get your tickets at grappleapp.com forward slash support. So you'll have three live podcasts as there. We just announced then Davey's going to be doing a live up next. You're going to have uh, Ben OJP and Gareth doing um, a live grapple and then me with an unannounced sort of like BWE show that I'm doing. So yeah, it's going to be doors at 3.30 p.m. Starts at five, ends at seven, only £7.50. WrestleMania, um, we know it's the second night of WrestleMania hooked on. Our friends at Hooked On are offering us a discount code where you can go and watch that later on in the day. Uh, the the walkabout, which is only a few minutes walk from the venue that we're doing. So yeah, all the links, all everything, all your tickets for uh, our show and the Hooked On show, grappleapp.com forward slash report. Davey, really looking forward to having you as part of the day. And uh, yeah, thanks for being a part of it, mate. Uh, I can't wait. And obviously I've, uh, you got to come to the the BDE, uh, the first version of the BDE a couple of years ago when you came to Toronto. But I, oh, I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing everyone. Never met the likes of Benno and, and JP. And uh, I met Gareth at a progress show once, but getting to finally hang out with everyone after all these years kind of being in this in this uh, podcasting family, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a tremendous day and can't wait to see you all. Yeah, well, that's the main thing, I think, uh, just before we get out of here with this, um, is that, you know, obviously it's been really hard for everyone the past couple of years. So, yeah, why not head up to Leeds, just come and have a laugh with us, you know, get pissed up if you if that's your thing and just, you know, just let loose. And, uh, yeah, as um, we saw on the news today, that all restrictions are going to be lifted in the UK. So why not sort of like um, head out if that's your first event, if you've been stuck indoors and stuff like that, it'll be great to see everybody. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, back to me and Benno. So there we have it, Benno, the one, the only, Mr. Davey Portman will now be presenting a live up next as part of the, the Brit Podcasting Isn't Dead on April the 3rd in Leeds. Really, really pleased. Obviously, you know, great that, you know, Davey is back in the UK for when we are doing the show and even better that he's going to be uh, hosting a sort of like a live up next as part of, a part of our podcast day in Leeds. Oh, yeah, definitely. I've been waiting for kind of this episode because, you know, since we announced it, we haven't actually, this is the first BWE we've had, haven't we? So it might be the first, mm-hmm. you know, some post listeners are hearing about us doing this live show uh, in Leeds on WrestleMania Day, you know? So hopefully, you know, there'll be a, a big crossover there. And yeah, it's landed right in our laps that, uh, that Davey, you know, I'm sure, uh, unfortunate for him, he's uh, he's stuck in the UK at the minute. But fortunately for us, <laughs> we've uh, we've got him for the day. And yeah, we'll, uh, you know, I think it, it gives definitely some extra value to people uh, coming out on the day but you know it's going to be i just think it's going to be a fun day and all you know it's it's wrestlemania day and none of us are that asked about wrestlemania are we well it's one of one of two wrestlemania <laughs> days actually i assume there's only two and there's probably about 20 uh, by the time this goes out but yeah, apparently mm. there's two but you know we can all get together you know do a couple of couple of live podcasts in the afternoon a few beers in you know one of the great best venues you could possibly ask for as far as you know quality of uh, a beer goes in the uh, in the northern monk and then uh, as i mentioned at the top of the show all off to the uh, the hooked on uh, wrestling uh, after party later on to a uh, you know i suppose if we have to watch wrestlemania let's all watch it together with a with a few beers so yeah i'm excited that Dave will, uh, will be with us for the day and yeah might he even be a couple of uh, other bonus names people might hear of uh, in the weeks to come yeah definitely really really looking forward to it and like you say we'll be making more announcements in the coming weeks so definitely you know keep your ears open and your eyes peeled for that but um before we get into reviews and whatnot, I had uh, the chance to chat with Michael Oku uh, earlier this week about, obviously, all the praise he's been getting for the match against Will Ospreay. He talks also about his future in Red Pro and then, randomly, his fandom of Newcastle United. 
We are back on the British Wrestling Experience with a very, very special guest with us, a man that has been making all the headlines in the world of wrestling this past week. He is the current Red Pro Cruiserweight champion, Michael Oku. Michael, thanks for joining us this week. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I hope this hope this goes smoothly. I'm, I'm really excited to, to be part of this. I, I know you've done at least one or two interviews with Andy. So, uh, oh, yes. And, and, I, and I really enjoyed them. So really good. Oh, good. Yeah. And for this, doing my research for this, I uh, hit Andy up for some uh, for some material. So we'll be getting into that in a bit. Um, something <laughs> something a bit different. Um, I mean, but like I noted there at the start, you know, you've been all over the wrestling world this week, you know, because we're about a week and a bit removed from uh, the big York Hall main event that you had with Will Ospreay at Red Pro High Stakes. And, you know, that's been on everyone's lips. You know, John and Way saying yesterday, one of the matches of the year so far, Big Day Melts are giving it five stars and just everyone around the world heaping praise on you and Will. I mean, it must have just been a, a crazy week for you getting all this, um, all this praise and, and ratings and things. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's nothing that I've ever experienced before to this level, for sure. Um, it, obviously, it comes with wrestling Will Ospreay. Um, I, I had in my mind that it would get a little bit of attention because, again, it's Will Ospreay. And I was thinking in my head, oh, man, it'd just be cool if this match ended up in New Japan World because I know some of his matches at Red Pro have ended up there. But that was the most that I was kind of thinking of. Like, oh, I'd just get a few more eyes on it. Not that you know, people were raving about it the way they, they would be and and that the buzz would be continuing to this day, quite frankly. So I mean, yeah, it's been a it's been a kind of a whirlwind essentially for me. Yeah, I'd not even considered that. Yeah, like you say, it'd be great if it um, uh, ended up on New Defined World. That'd be even, you know, even more eyes on it. That'd be absolutely fantastic. Because yeah, I mean just to reiterate what everyone else has said, it was a fantastic match. It just seemed that Everything clicked in it, didn't it? You know, the great entrances, the big match feel of it, the crowd were really alive, which sometimes there might not be, sometimes in York Hall, but they really felt alive for that one, you know. All the drama, and um, Andy Q was saying that, you know, he, he gave, essentially gave you guys bullet points, but a lot of the creative aspects were down to you and Will. You obviously had the match in Southampton last year, and then you topped it here. I mean, just... Give us a sense of sort of like putting the match together. Obviously, it involved your family, you know, Amari Blair being so pivotal in the end of the match. She's obviously rightly getting, um, you know, a lot of praise for that. But just, uh, you know, just how you came up with the match, putting it together and putting all the pieces into place for it. So, yeah, I mean, exactly that. Andy, at most, kind of gives, I like, just bullet points, just would speak to us about. And really, it's only bullet points about the the finish. What he has in how he hit an idea for the finish and how he'd like it to go. But he lets most, if not all, wrestlers. His main note that he gives is, "I just want a good professional wrestling match." That's that's all he's asking for. <laughs> and so he gives us carte blanche to to create. And I, and I think that's how you can produce really good wrestling. And of course, it could produce maybe not so good wrestling but I feel that freedom is really really important and that's what makes independent wrestling go um, the, so putting it together it was just a lot of um, what did we do in Southampton how do we top it are there stuff that we did in Southampton that we can tease and it, we counter it because obviously it's the second time that we're wrestling each other um, some stuff was just straight up repeated which is fine because people who haven't seen the Southampton match would probably be only seeing the York Hall match. So we can do it on in a bigger stage. 
um, but we just put it in a different place in the match. Uh, what's uh, the the thing that surprised me in terms of just putting that match together was everything seemed to make sense. Everything seemed mm-hmm. like it was uh, vital for the story that we're trying to tell and vital for the match being good. So when I when I went onto Gadget's Twitter and it said that it was 41 minutes, I was in shock. Because at no <laughs> point once I had the match in my head, I thought, oh, this is kind of, this might be kind of long. I thought that maybe we'd go to 30 or something like that, most, but not that we went to 41 minutes. So um, that's kind of an, another thing that uh, took me by surprise. And I think it, that's the thing I've heard other people say is that oh, I didn't feel like 40 minutes. It didn't, it didn't feel like 40 minutes to me as well. No, yeah, it definitely flew by. I like that you sort of had um, sort of like a lot of callbacks in there to sort of like previous Osprey opponents, maybe in York mm. Hall and maybe other ones, you know, obviously with the Styles Clash and then obviously you're doing the Rainmaker pose, which must have been great when everyone showed. Now we play when you did that as well. I did right. love all the callbacks <laughs> to that. <laughs> well, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that like I felt that like, you know, they thought I was doing my own pose instead of Okada's pose. Like they were shouting, now we play instead of like thinking that I was going to do a rainmaker. Only a few started to get it. And once I started to actually grab his arm and go for it. But I just remember thinking, I was like, oh, oh they probably just, they just probably wanted me to slap on a half crab after the tombstone. So that was a, <laughs> an interesting thing that happened in the match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was just like I said, the video packages, the presentation, obviously that insane dive you did. It wasn't even a table, was it? It was like more of a desk. I mean, your yeah. body must have been pretty beaten up after that. Yeah, that was a. By far the most painful thing of the match uh, is a thing that, like, if you just say, "Okay, this is this is what I'll do. I'm going to do this," and then when you're actually looking at the table, I'm like, "Oh my god, well, I, I have to do it now." Yeah, I can imagine. But what I did like on the commentary, because I mean, I'm you know going back in a Brit rest past. I do remember like seeing you at a load of shows, sort of like you know, just helping out and you, you seem to be everywhere sort of like just going on and, and helping out in whatever way you could. And, you know, and I think a lot of fans, you know, do remember that and they really got across that in the commentary that, you know, you've been around, you know, it, it might only be five years, but, you know, you always did everything. You were there, maybe even just taking the tickets on the door or helping setting up the ring and just that journey that I suppose the fans have been on on with you. And I suppose that really came across in, in the commentary uh, Andy Q was getting across at the start of the match. Yeah, it's very cool that um, it's cool that he remembers it because I feel like there's just loads of people that come down to crew. There's just numbers, there's a large number of people. But I was, uh, I would say that I was one of the most consistent ones that kept going to crew shows. My thought process was that, like, I mean, there's nothing else I want to be around than wrestling and wrestling shows. And if I'm not wrestling on a weekend, whatever day there's a wrestling show, I'm going to check the calendar. I think there was like a website I was going to, like hashtag wrestling events. I just have a list of mm. all the shows that are happening. And I say, okay, can I make it to that show? Is it local? And sometimes I'd just pay for a train if I couldn't jump in a car and go to one that's far away just to, to help out at the show. Um, because in my opinion, yeah, again, free labor. But at the same time I'm seeing is, well, I get to help out, I get to show my face, but then I got to watch a wrestling show and I get to learn. And to be able to watch so many York Hall shows up close and personal with, you know, during the big boom of British wrestling and seeing some of the best wrestlers, literally some of the best wrestlers in the world wrestling in front of me, that I felt that that was like invaluable 
and such a, a privilege. So I just would use that and absorb that in and absorb the knowledge. And, and then you can get a second to talk to them as well. There, there were so many people like a Keith Lee, um, trying to think of others. I remember, remember the CCK. Um, they would take the time if you would, if you would ask them, is that Gibson as well? If you had a question, there was always time in the day for you to pick their brain. And I always made sure to take, um, take full advantage of that opportunity. And, Doing all that eventually led to me finally wrestling for FPRO. And I mean, everything that happened, happened. Yeah, I mean, it definitely all paid off for you. I mean, um, obviously, you know, a big talking point of the match and obviously, you know, the lead up to the match was, you know, involving your family, you know, obviously, Omar is a trained wrestler. Um, but what about your mum, dad and brother? Were they keen to be involved? Did they want to get more involved? How did you sort of like lay it out to them? Were you like, oh, you can just sort of like come over here and just, you know, look disgusted at Will Osprey or what? I mean, uh, how did you sort of lay it out to your parents and your brother? I just spoke to my girlfriends and I spoke to my brother. <laughs> I just, that's all. I, that's the only two people I spoke to. I said, uh, I said before leaving the house, I said to my brother, um, if there's a towel that needs to be thrown in, then there's a towel that needs to be thrown in. <laughs> and my parents, um, Andy Corden, forwarded me the electronic tickets, the shoot tickets, as he called them. And um, I said, I forwarded the tickets to my mom and my dad, and they came to the show and they watched the show. And they, that's all they knew, was that they were going to watch me wrestle for the title. Um, and every, so everything that happened between them was very, very organic, which, which is arguably a huge risk to do in the benefit of your call. Oh but yeah. <laughs> luckily, but I think, I think that was probably maybe if we we're going to use it, that's the best way to use them as maybe not to do specific integral things, but just to get their live reactions of what was happening to me in the match. Yeah, definitely. And they all played their role like to perfection. Yeah, it was it was a great addition to the match. I mean, um, I mentioned it at the top, but obviously Dave Meltzer has a tumultuous relationship with wrestlers to say the least. I mean, did it mean a lot to you getting that five star rating? I know obviously, you know, it's only one man's opinion, but it can be sort of like the trendsetter, for, you know, for fans looking to dip into stuff, especially stuff they might not be familiar with, sort of like, especially from the likes of, of over here in the UK and Red Pro and the like. Um, it absolutely, like it, his opinion matters. Um, unfortunately, if, if people don't like it or not, I have like mere unequivocal proof, evidence that his opinion matters when he puts the stamp of approval on a match. If he's saying that something is five stars, he's such a credible source, such a historian of wrestling, someone who loves old school wrestling as well as new school wrestling, that like... And he's just got that following that has been built over decades that if he says something is good, people will at the very least check it out. Even if they don't like him, they'll even check it out to see, let's see how wrong he is. So, I mean, when he gave it, like there was a whole timeline. I think it added to the buzz because the day of the show, or maybe it was like the morning after, he was tweeting, where can I watch this match? Mm. That created way more buzz for the match. Then it went on demand. So people actually watched it. Way more buzz. Then he tweeted about the match, talking about it was a further back to the territories. It got more and more buzz. And then the Observer came out on the Friday, the week after, and he gave it a five stars. And then it got even more buzz. So, and, then, and then after that, once he gave it a five stars, I got a lot more messages of my services. So I saw the evidence 
that his opinion matters and his stamp of approval matters. So yeah, it definitely made it made it definitely like meant a lot because I mean, if you look at pretty much all the matches that he's given five stars plus two, they are. I mean, there are who's who of pro wrestling for the most mm. part, and they are some of the best wrestlers in the world, some of the best wrestlers of all time that have um been given the five stars. So to be part of that list, because when it comes down to it, it's still people say he gives away more nowadays than he used to, but it's still a fairly short list and it's a fairly short list of people on them. So to be on them is a very, a very incredible feeling for sure. Yeah. Cause um, like honorary Brit sugar Dunkerton actually put this together, didn't he? And only uh, six black wrestlers ever to receive a five-star rating. And you in there with the likes of Ricochet, Keith Lee, Butch Reed, um, etc. Yeah. That's a, that's a stat that like, I didn't even think about. There's so many stats that people are bringing to my attention. Um, then I saw that I, someone said that I'm the first black British wrestler to even get a five-star rating. I, I couldn't have even, it wasn't a thought that crossed my mind, but then I also found people trying to find a negative of that, which is a good point, but they're mm. trying to put the negative on Dave and it's probably more negative on the industry that, you know, the opportunities for black wrestlers to be, you know, put in that position mm. to have such a highly regarded match is few and far between because i mean that's a big point of how he rates the matches a lot of it is based off like not just what happens in the ring but the atmosphere and if it's the perfect storm and in terms of story and everything aligns um that's what also contributes to it being rated highly so to be given that opportunity to be pushed in that way in a in a promotion to be myself and to and to succeed and exceed maybe expectations for many people, so that I'm wrestling with Osprey and the crowd is behind me and the crowd are completely within. People want to watch it. It's a it's a cool thing, and I hope that like it continues. I hope I'm I'm not the last person. I'm not the last black person to get a five star rating, and I'm not the lo- the last black British person to get a five star rating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, as well as the main event, I mean. The rest of the card, I thought, showed a lot of depth in sort of like Red Pro's roster. I mean, the second half of the card, that's as good as the second half as, you, as you're going to see. I mean, uh, Gabriel Kidd, we used to see him in what culture and enjoyed him, you know, in those promotions. But seeing him now is like a different animal, you know, got all the tools to be a big star. you got the likes of Ricky Knight Jr., Luke Jacobs, Sunshine Machine. You know, there's tons and tons. And I mean... And it seems now, especially with the storylines are telling you, it's not just sort of like Andy Cullen's dream match factory anymore. You know, we've got a lot of sort of like strong foundations with the likes of you and then Osprey coming in and out and all the other people I've just named and plus even more. And I heard that you're even sort of like doing some training now at the uh, Portsmouth School of Pro Wrestling. We are all, I feel like we are a team. We're all motivated to make RevPro like the like top promotion I think we're the top promotion in the country and we're going to try and make this bigger than just the country. Um, I think there's like promotions that are regarded as some of the hottest promotions in the world. And I think we put out better pro wrestling than them on a consistent basis. And it's wild that like, and I just don't think that that's a difficult thing to argue when if one of the people that we use regularly, if our main champ is someone who people say is the best wrestler in the entire world, then yeah, we can also say that like you said, the, the whole high stakes card, um, which is something I'm proud of, is that like, yeah, if our match got eyes on the entire card and thank goodness that it was a card that had so much homegrown talent and was a real good show top to bottom. Um, 
that's that's we're all motivated to try and like see how we can make um this place bigger and more must see for like people around the world because uh, from what i understand way more people like purchase a two-week free trial to watch the show so hopefully they stick around and then hopefully they see other 229 shows and they see a freaking show in St. Neos and like, wow, this is the fun wrestling show pretty much that they do every week. And um, in terms of me training, uh, I've, I've trained in ports before the, like I've trained in ports before the time now because uh, Knocklocks is closed. Um, living in London, Knocklocks, which is in South London, is closed. Um, and I was already going a little bit to sessions on Saturdays at Portsmouth, which Andy himself takes. Um, but it's just always like you just, you always just have to train to get better. There's like like footballers at any level, they, they always train. There's always a training session that they do during the week before they have their game. So I'm always just trying to make sure that I'm getting better. And I, and I know that as well, that I need to get better um, if I want to then like go beyond where I'm at now. So I'll pop up to Portsmouth. I'll probably go this weekend, honestly. I think I'm free on Saturday. So I might just go this weekend, Saturday morning, make the drive down and then keep training. And then, and it's also cool to like, see who's coming up in the, mm. in the Portsmouth school. Cause then I know how helpful it is to have people that are more experienced than you just training with them just makes you better. So I feel like that's kind of responsibility on my part to help others just by training with them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, you mentioned the Red Pro On Demand series. I mean, you've had a crack in seven months or so, uh, you know, in my opinion. Obviously, the tags with Connor Mills against Aussie Open, you know, the match with Osprey in Southampton we talked about, you know, the match against Mike Bailey. I mean, certainly, you must be really pleased with sort of like how it's gone sort of like, I know, you know, way past not being past COVID sort of thing, but, you know, post lockdown, so to speak. I mean, you've been having some uh, crackers all, all around the country. No, I, I appreciate that. I, I, it's been, um, there was real, it was a real struggle for me, honestly, to try and get back into my stride. I was trying to, I felt like just before the pandemic, I was just firing on all cylinders. And then when the pandemic hit and there was no wrestling and nowhere to train, I really felt like I regressed, like physically, at least as an athlete. And even my brain, my wrestling brain didn't feel sharp. But then, um, when we came back to shows, um, I started to slowly feel like, okay, this is how I wrestle. I remember how to wrestle again, essentially. <laughs> I think the very first match that I had that like, I was like really happy with or like really proud was, of was when um, myself and Mills wrestled the Young Guns at the 229. Um, just because, yeah, well, first of all, I got a standing ovation, which is always cool because Mm. it's not it's not easy for that repro crowd to all stand up but um, <laughs> it, it just it just everything just hit the way i wanted it to hit and it just felt like okay yeah we're 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 one of we're, we're four of the best wrestlers on these shores and i remember when i watched commentary back and andy said these are four of the best professional wrestlers in the world and it just made me really think i was like you know what maybe and that really motivated me when I heard him say that. Because like, well, why why can't we say that about ourselves? Because mm, <laughs> like we can't yeah. just like put ourselves down and just think, oh yeah, well, for Britain, you know, this this scene that we're dragging through the ashes, you know, of <laughs> everything that happened, we are we're just the the little the little embers that are that are, that are still bright. But like, 
if we're doing killer matches in front of wrestling fans, I do feel that if just more people saw it, they, they'd feel the same way. So the evidence is from this match of Will Ospreay that I just had and the high stakes card in general that like, I just, I don't know. I just, I just really feel like we're putting on some of the best wrestling in the world. And then the fact that it was the same day as the Royal Rumble. And well, people were not <laughs> ranting and raving about the wrestling from the number one wrestling company in the world, but they were ranting and raving about Repro. So I would just love for more people to like, <laughs> to like tune in and watch. Yeah, indeed, indeed, they weren't. Yeah, not many people loving the Royal Rumble this year. But um, we are just coming up on two years since uh, Stakes twenty twenty. Um, and what you know, I, I feel then that was seen as like a rebuilding period for Red Pro and British Wrestling. Obviously, the show ended with you, Osprey, and Giselle Shaw in the ring as the champions, and then obviously everything shut down. And you know, we, and then slowly we started to see the Red Pro no fans tapings, and obviously. You know, as fans, it was quite weird to watch that at first. I mean, going back, how did you find doing those empty arena shows? I mean, it must have been quite bizarre doing them originally. Did you kind of get used to doing them with no fans in attendance? Because obviously, there were quite a number of tapings, weren't there, for Red Pro? Yeah, yeah. So we did a few. And when was the first one we did? I want to say it might have been July or August that we did the first set of tapings. I had, like, I was, like, in no condition to wrestle. I had not touched a train like a training score touched a wrestling ring for so long i was not mentally there in terms of wrestling i had lost weight which as, <laughs> as a skinny dude anyway i couldn't afford to lose much more weight um i just i just really wasn't there in mentally to try and like to, to put out my best wrestling but um it, it was just it was a necessary thing though in terms of what with hindsight i would say as well it was a necessary thing because i felt like so many things were built um small things and big things like the callum newman and jj gale tag team which then entered the j cup and also had some underrated bangers during that not the j, the j cup but the, the tag league they had some underrated bangers during that tag league um and some other teams were built up and created there um, and of course, like, I think the main person that benefited from the no fan shows was Ricky Knight Jr. Before, yeah. like high stakes, well, well, you talk about the high stakes show. I mean, you know, he was in the speaking title match with Robbie X. Match two, match three, maybe. And it was just like, oh, here's a match between two good wrestlers and that's it. And then coming out of the pandemic, when we're coming back to live shows, it's like, this is the main event guy. Mm. Um, so... And then, of course, the, the stuff with myself and Mills, you know, us establishing ourselves as a tag team and pushing the story forward there. Mills, who was new to Ref Pro as well, just like him being now a regular, I think that helped him as well. So I think it was essential to, like, make sure that we, like, establish some stories and keep stuff going for when we had fans back. But it was, well, I cannot, it was so tough, especially for me, who I really feel like I draw from the crowd. I really feel mm. like my big thing is how I connect with the crowd. There's such an instrumental part with my wrestling where I feel like other people, like maybe a, I don't know, like a, like a Ridgeway with is suited for no fans. How he wrestles is kind of suited for no fans. But for me, you know, just imagine Hulk Hogan hulking up without, without any fans. It's just, <laughs> he would just look like an absolute idiot. And I feel like there's a few of my things that I do that just felt really unnatural, weird to do because there were no fans. Did you find, though, that you got to experiment a bit? Because I remember like watching a few of them shows and you sort of like threw a bit more attitude in, you know, in there. You know, we were teasing like a bit of a 
you know, turn to the dark side at, at some point. I remember that, you know, there was, you, it seemed like you were experimenting quite a bit, especially with the stuff with Connor Mills. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I remember um, thinking about that, like, just because of kind of the story stuff we were telling with myself and Mills, how it would come off with no fans, it would seem as though, like, yeah, that we, that we were probably being a little bit underhanded and a bit cheaty, but like it was just because of the story we we're trying to tell of like, is Mills helping me? Is he not? Do I know? Mm-hmm. Do I not know? So it was just a lot to play on like that those questions of if I know Mills helping me or not. Do I know that he's being a little bit underhanded here and there? So it was just interesting that like I when I did it again when I filmed it when there's no fans. I was thinking, oh yeah, I think I did it kind of subtly where like mm. you might not know whether like I knew or not, or I have no idea. But when I watched it back, I was like, oh my God, am I, I think I'm a heel now. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I just accidentally turned heel. So it was, it was kind of accidental, but it was interesting to see how like it came across with no fans. And that's just that thing. Again, you don't get that live response to know what worked or what didn't until it came out on demand. Yeah, were you worried, obviously, because now you're sort of like the people's wrestler sort of thing that people would be remembering that and be like a bit torn on sort of like, hang on, you know, I didn't know if this is a bad guy or a good guy here. Oh, my God. Mine, there's a lot of things that I was afraid people would remember <laughs> from 2020 <laughs> that would ruin uh, ruin my babyface stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think um, I think we brought it back anyway, though, with like, because I just kind of started wrestling heels, like Lycos Jim came in. And they were just mm. all out heels. So I think it was enough. And I was not sure how, I really just wasn't sure the reaction when I'd come back um, in front of fans through the curtain. So it's been really cool that they have just, you know, been behind me like they were in 2020 and before that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, sort of like during lockdown, you know, people were sort of like looking for a nice safety net, you know, um, some kind of sort of like guarantee. And obviously, you know, we did have a lot of UK talent sort of like signed up by WWE, sort of like NXT UK. I mean, surely they made some overtures to you at some point. Were you were you maybe tempted by that? Because obviously, you know, it it was a it was a whole new world, wasn't it? You know, when you know, when everything was shut down and you know people were sort of like, you know, furloughed and you know, money was hard to come by certainly in terms of like being an independent wrestler. I know that there's certainly so, so what all I thought about was like, I don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. So I completely understood when wrestlers would sign to NXT UK, who they might have not been wanting to do that if things were normal, because it's just like, well, this is guaranteed money. I will get to wrestle. I will get to train um, when a lot of people just weren't able to over here. But um, in my head, I was just thinking, ah, I don't just don't think that it's time for me to go there if that makes sense it, mm. either it's it's not time for me to go to wwe uh, as well as like um i just don't know if they'd use me correctly <laughs> that's just kind of what it boils down to i was like how would i how would they use me i'm really like intrigued to know how they would use me because um wrestling for F pro andy just has found the way to use me but i say that like he found some kind of secret formula he kind of just let me be me and he just gave me matches and gave me opportunities to have good matches and then i got over with the fans and no no i just worried that like that wouldn't be the case 
in NXT UK. So I was just thought to myself, let me just hold out. Let's just hold out and see what happens. And I don't know. I'm, I'm very happy with the fact that, you know, if I had signed, I wouldn't be able to wrestle Rev Pro. And if I signed, I wouldn't be able to wrestle Will Ospreay. So I, I can look back and be like, you know what? I'm glad that I held out because there's so much more things that are opening up around the world, not just here in the UK. And I still get to explore them and I still get to do it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely think you made the right choice. But um, I suppose sort of like, you know, you said there about being yourself in uh, in Red Pro and stuff. And obviously, you know, um, the OJMO sort of like name was, uh, you know, quite synonymous around other promotions and stuff. And um, I was asking Andy Q about that earlier. And he said that, you know, he really pushed you to be Michael Oku and not the OJMO, you know, seemingly against your will at first. And he always joked with you that the difference between the OJMO, and this is a direct quote, um, the OJMO is a job for progress and I, Michael Oku is a star. I mean, was <laughs> it? <laughs> I mean, you pushed back at first, were you glad that he talked you out of using the uh, OJMO name in Red Pro? It's so, yeah, like, um, he ended up being right, is what I will say, be on record as saying. I feel like it made me, I feel like using my real name made me more real. It made me a more real character instead of some kind of a brand or something like that that I came up with. Um, and I think, and so initially, I chose Michael Oku because I thought like the idea was that I was going to come in as a contender. Well, I was going to come in to try and be a contender. And then the story was that I had finally become a contender. And of course, contenders just have a first name and a last name. And so the one that just made the most sense to me, I was just, just called Michael Oku. And then the idea would be, and in fact, he told me, he said, the idea would be down the line, you become the OJMO. And I was like, fine, brilliant. I like it. But it just seemed like, I don't know. It just seems like when someone has a name that like, if they just become more down to earth. If you talk to me and my name is Michael, if you're in the ring and you're rooting for me, for a person called Michael, um, I feel like that actually does contribute to how people got behind me the way they did in Rev in Rev Pro. So I am I'm very much now content and happy with just using my name. It's it's weird because I feel like I've heard other wrestlers say that. Even uh, Goldberg, I remember Goldberg doing like maybe a podcast interview with Stone Cold and just saying that like he never thought that he would use the name Bill Goldberg because. Mm. that just doesn't sound like he just said that the name just doesn't sound strong at this that and the other and like the stereotypes of people with the name Goldberg isn't that of like someone who's strong and then it's either that or Whoopi Goldberg is what people would think about but it's just wild <laughs> to think that now me if I hear Goldberg I think Goldberg I think a bold strong man that runs through people <laughs> and <laughs> made event shows in 2022 like that's what I think about so um, it's I'm, it's wild that, that that name is like a name attached to me that people can be like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a pro wrestler name. That is that is a name of a professional wrestler, and we're okay with that. So I'll probably be starting to be called Michael Oku in more places and phase out the OJMO now because I mean Michael Oku is the one that had the five star match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, maybe. Uh... Yeah, maybe he was right after all, uh, old Andy Q. But um, 
I suppose I brought up progress then, and obviously new owners now. Is that a chapter that's closed for you? Do you feel? Um, obviously, you're quite you know heavily involved in progress, and without going too much in the weeds, you know, would you say that chapter's close for you now? It's progress. Um, I'd say I wouldn't say it's closed, but I'm not. You know, I feel like back in the day, I feel like everybody was. I'd say the word desperate to work for progress. Like it was the dream to work for progress mm. and like I've done it now. And then things have happened. Obviously, like you said that, like, I'm not saying that the door closed. I, I'd be open to listening to them. If they, you know, picked up the phone, I'd, pick, I'd, you know, I'd respond and I'd listen, but my priority for sure is RevPro and making sure that like RevPro is like, the go-to place and i just think it just naturally has become the go-to place because even when i was working for both places i could just i don't know I, I can you always have to like look out for yourself and i could just see how the way that one place was using me compared to the other was just it felt like night and day and, and when the fans were pointing out that it felt like night and day then that kind of says everything um, I don't know if it'd be different if I'd go if I'd ever work for them again if I'd, if I'd go back, but yeah, I, I'm I'm luckily I'm super happy being just a RevPro. Yeah, definitely, and I think you're sort of like synonymous now with RevPro, especially you know with your work sort of like the past sort of like six or or seven months. Um, something else he told me, which I was quite surprised by, sort of like a London boy, you might expect you to be an Arsenal or a Chelsea fan, that you're actually a Newcastle United fan, and might explain the great chemistry you had there with Pac. I mean, you've ever wrestled in Newcastle. Where did this all come from? Were you like a Shearer, Les Ferdinand guy when you were a kid, coming out with the shirt on, fog on the time? That'd be great seeing you uh, wrestling in Newcastle. I so uh, <laughs> I do. Um, I, I have wrestled in Newcastle. I wrestled once for North Wrestling. I wrestled Lucky Kid in Newcastle. Uh, and I did come out with a jersey, a Newcastle jersey, with the good old Wonga. It was, I think it was when they were in the championship, actually. <laughs> I don't know why I've all jersey. That's the one I've got. Big Wonga on the front and Oku at the back. And um, yeah, I came out wearing it and um, wrestled Lucky Kid. And uh, yeah, I started becoming a fan of them. Simply just because, yeah, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer is the answer. Uh, when I started watching football, um, I just knew that, okay, well, I support England. That's, I'm living in England. I support England. Easy. And the two top strikers were Shearer and Owen. Those are my two favorite players. Mm. So when I just kind of, like, my, my, my family, like, my dad supported Tottenham. My brother supported Man U. I just, I just thought, okay, I have to support a club. Um, they, I think they pretty much told me which club do you support like, and in my head I was like I can't choose one of theirs so I want to choose my own one you know, what team does Shira play for Newcastle cool that's the one and so <laughs> it was it was as simple as that for me and then it, yeah, I mean it was a dream come true everybody talks about it not so funnily including the guy involved but with Michael Owen signed <laughs> and it was Shira and Owen were both playing for Newcastle oh you couldn't tell me it was bad. Even to this day, you can't tell me it's bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Interesting story, that one. Yeah, fantastic. Um, as far as the last couple of things, um, sort of like list seal seemed to be the thing, you know, obviously the famous Cody Rose one. I know Nixon Newell sort of like recently did one. Anyone on your list that you want to face in the next year that sort of like feel like the realistic goal? I mean, 
I'm assuming now you're getting interest from American promotions, you know, like the GCW, we're going to see you in any death matches or anything like that. Well, <laughs> maybe not death matches. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Um, I, you know what? I did put out a list, but I was on like my Instagram story, so it did disappear. But um, what I remember two that were on my list for sure were uh, Ishii and Minoru Suzuki. Mm. Um I just feel like those are two people that would kind of fit um, the, with the way I wrestle. I, I fight from underneath on the underdog. I think those are two people who I would just love to wrestle that would complement that to, to the best of like my ability. Um, but then there's also um, Shane Strickland. Keith Lee also fits into that thing of like Ishii and Suzuki. Like, mm. of course, it's a mismatch, but I think that's what's going to make it um, something special to me. Um, and then FTR, I said FTR, like that may be maybe even like the most unlikely. Yeah. But FTR as a tag team, me and Mills, I would love to like us have like a real big tag team match against. Yeah, you know, someone, you know, one of the best tag teams in the world. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, certainly, like, you know, obviously, Red Pro got a long history, you know, bringing Ishii and Suzuki in, so it'd be great to see great to see you up against either of them two. But um, I suppose, sort of, like, from people who've just sort of discovered you this year and, you know, obviously, you know, with the match against Osprey, but obviously you've got a, another sort of, like, notch on your sort of like many talents that, um, you know, I remember, especially during lockdown, a really great series by uh, O.T. Fogbeni, who international fans all know from sort of like Black Widow and The Handmaid's Tale called Max, which was basically like a comedy drama about a guy who used to be in a boy band and was sort of like trying to restart his career. You know, that's probably the most basic description of this show. And watching this, and obviously you're in there, and then I discover you're also part of the original short film of this. I mean, working with him, obviously he's like, doing big stuff now and obviously that was a fantastic series you know how, how did you become involved in that and and, and working with him that I, I imagine that was a quite a good experience right um it, it really was uh, so we go back such a long time i'm trying to think of a year probably okay so back, the, the, the origin of that tv show max starts from 10 years ago uh he while, while while I still hadn't, I don't have an agent anymore, but while I was still like going to auditions regularly and acting, I went to an audition for a vampire film because vampires were very in at that time. Mm. But it was a vampire comedy that he was directing and producing. And I'm trying to remember, it was either called, it was called like Big Bad Blood. And uh, I auditioned for it. But it wasn't to be, but it wasn't the whole film. It was like they wanted to like put it out there as like a concept trailer in a sense, or like to pitch it. So they wanted to film like a little trailer to then pitch it to places so then it could then be made. And um, I got the part as like the main character to film this trailer called Big Bad Blood. And um, yeah, it was definitely 2002, it would have been 18, 19. And uh, the idea was that it would be made into a television series. It went from being a film to being a television series on, um, well, wherever, where did um, Max end up being? Was it on 
4 was it in channel 4 was it on? yeah channel 4 and then i think it was on hulu in the states it's on hulu yeah so this was for channel so channel 4 picked up this vampire thing and like he wrote a whole series like for this vampire film but this was like years after 2012 and um so but then so then at that point they were like yeah we really like it we think it's really funny but vampires aren't in anymore so please write something else <laughs> so <laughs> so we had to just try and think of something else to make and then i think that's how max became that's how max came to be where he was like uh we want something else and also at the time his star was becoming bigger so mm. like we really want you to be in it this big bad bug thing it was just supposed to be other actors and he's directing it but they were like no we really want you to be in it and we uh wanted to be about something else go and so he wrote max <laughs> he wrote max and um you know so is he starring in it and he helped write it this and the other and then he just uh called me just to just have a little part and then just to help out I helped out with lots of like with the pilot which they filmed then when it, when it got made into a series um yeah, he just said, yeah, just come, just have a little role in it and help out however you can. I was like, I'd love to, I'd absolutely love to. And yeah, so I've got a little part in it and that's how it came to be. All from a vampire movie that I started. It then became wow. uh, Max. It's, um, I definitely recommend people go and check it out. Like I said, it's available in, on Hulu in the States and then um, it should be on like all four over here. Cracking theme tune as well that you can't get anywhere. It's not on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube or anything. I'd love to... Uh, track down them um, sort of like an mp3 of the of the theme tune had a brilliant tune for it but um you're also in sort of like county lines as well like got like rave reviews um is acting something you've sort of like put on hold now while you sort of concentrate on on wrestling yeah um it it, it just kind of happened because <sighs> to, to say to, to put it simply i kind of lost the passion for acting just because i'd been doing it for about 10 years i started professionally acting like had an agent and was going to like professional auditions since i was about 15 years old and the grind of going mm. to auditions countless times getting recalls getting penciled in getting like so close doing screen tests for like different films uh commercials soaps like hollyoaks and emmerdale all this that, and the other getting so close but then just at the very like at the finish line being like ah now we're getting someone else just became so frustrating. And then when I started wrestling, I had maybe done a couple of things once I started wrestling, I got a couple of ro roles. Um, but because wrestling started picking up real fast for me, and it really felt like the effort that I was putting into wrestling was paying off, where it felt like the effort I was putting into acting wasn't paying off. Mm. I just I just started to slowly like lose like the drive to have good auditions and there was one audition that i went to and i left it and it's one of the few times where i actually left the audition just knowing that it didn't go well but i didn't care that it didn't go well and at that point i was just like i just i i probably just shouldn't do this anymore so um i kind of left my agent and i just kind of stopped pursuing acting jobs and having said that that little part in max happened after i said i'm going to stop that i'm going to stop acting mm. um and then County Lines came out after I stopped acting, but it, it I kind of, I think we filmed it, I want to say in 2017 or 2018. So um, it's a real, that's a really, oh my God, that's a, such a good film that I highly recommend um, to anybody to see because um, 
top top drama real 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 good acting as well um but yeah yeah so yeah acting kind of just yeah it did go to the side just because wrestling really became my priority to like put all i, I essentially put all eggs in the basket of wrestling there we are, and that's definitely paying off for you now i know we're um, just to sort of like wrap up that match i mean the rematch with osprey is gonna like i mean everyone's gonna want a ticket for that one aren't they i mean um any idea when we might end up seeing that one is it or is it all based on sort of like will schedule at this point well that was the whole reason the first match happened it was just like andy was just like i don't know when i'd be able to do this match so i'm gonna do it now in southampton Um, (laughs) and then it just became a thing of like oh this is really good we should probably try and see if we could do this at a York Hall. There was no plans of like, let's do this, tell this story, like from the get-go. There's so many things that accidentally fell into place, which made it the perfect setup for a rematch, as well as him being available to do it at a York Hall. So now that we've done the second one and it's got the response it's got, like, I mean, I would think it's inevitable that we'd have to do a third. I, but I, I have no idea. I generally have no idea when that happened. I just, um, the only thing is just the pressure of trying to, oh, yeah. <laughs> trying to top it. That's, that's it. I'm terrified of trying to top it. Even just any other match, the, all the matches I've had since then, in my head, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm the guy. I've got five stars. How am I going to do this? How am I going to, how am I going to top it all? Am I just going to disappoint people from here on in? Um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, number three should happen. And absolutely. I mean, if it doesn't happen soon and it happens like years down the line, I'm fine with that too. But I can't wait for when it does. Yeah, and, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm sure I speak for a lot of people who can't wait for that third match. Um, Michael, absolutely brilliant talking to you. Obviously, get your merch, shop.redpro.com or the OGMO.com. Michael on Twitter at the OGMO. Uh, anything I've missed there? Anything else you wanted to get in before we uh, before we wrap this up? No, those are the main ones, ShopRevPro and theojmo.com for merchandise and any social media that anyone uses, if you just put forward slash theojmo, I'll come up if it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'll come up and um, give me a follow to see my stuff. Michael, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Awesome. So we had the man, the man himself, the man who's been everyone on everyone's lips uh, the past week or so to you know not only talk about the match but you know the rest of his career. They're always great talking to Michael, such a fantastic guy, and so so good that he's doing you know so well and getting all this praise. I mean, um, Benno, you were there live, and I watched on the VOD uh, Red Pro presenting I Stakes on the 29th of January. You're calling London. I mean. Just before we get into the matches itself, um, I know obviously you had to miss the main event, you know, because it was overrunning. You had to, you know, head out of there. But how would you say it was there? Sort of like, you know, obviously it, the atmosphere looked great on VOD and it looked like a, a close to sold out crowd. But obviously being there live, how, how was that experience for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, from a personal point of view, it was disappointing to have to leave before the main event with the, the show, show running quite long. I know the uh, the Ogden boys had to uh, to run and get a train as well, so they missed uh, everything except the uh, the entrances of the main. And yeah, there's uh, definitely, definitely a pattern here. The lads were giving me grief about this one on uh, on Grapple on, uh, on Tuesday. Don't know if you heard, Martin. This is uh, it's Royal Quest Part 2, this. Here we go again. Another potential oh, five-star yeah. match <laughs> on, on UK soil. And this one, I was in the bloody building and I still had to leave, but no, we, all, we had to get to Brighton for that that hooked on party and like i say things did run late so i missed out but 
you know, overall, as far as like a, an atmosphere goes and a show goes, it was very, very encouraging. You know, I missed missed the last um, York Hall show just because I wasn't in London that weekend. And this weekend, you know, I was I was there, so I went along and God, like, you know, I know there was some talk in the Observer, wasn't there, last week about that first progress show back to 1,100 people, which, you mm. know, even including the bar staff, you're not getting 1,100 people in the electric ballroom. <laughs> like, you know, we're back to work numbers. What year is it? Um, but like this, again, maybe not quite 1,100, but I'd say at least in the 800 range, um, possibly more, you know, uh, once you count in, you know, the balconies and such that I didn't have a great eyeline of. And, I think it just says something about the the job that that RevPro have done um, over this last year or so. Every time we kind of tune back into one of these big your call shows, we kind of say it. You know, the job they've done, you know, putting together their own unique bespoke roster that maybe you can't see, you know, for a third of the price the night after in front of, you know, 50 people in a in a rundown nightclub. Like, that's not what you're getting with RevPro. You get, you know, Ricky Knight Jr. is unique to Rev Pro and what a job they've done with him over this last year. Michael Oku is pretty unique to Rev Pro, at least when it comes to, you know, the promotions that are on, you know, people's radar. Aussie Open, unique to Rev Pro. Will Ospreay for, you know, a controversial figure, but also, you know, a unique, unique act to Rev Pro. And I think having those pieces as well as, you know, working hard on building this under underneath group of talent you know your Luke Jacobs your Francesco uh, Akira's of the world you know the work they put in the the women's division with you know the likes of Alex Windsor you know having Gabriel Kidd back it feels like a proper roster in RevPro right now and it feels consequential and it felt like being there in your call like it was the payoff for all of that hard work they've done you know over over this time I can moan about barcues and I can moan about security or you know all day when it comes to going to your hall but once you pass those teething issues and you're in that building this feels like a big time European wrestling promotion and I think at this point you know it's the only European wrestling promotion that feels big time that feels like one where you know as we always say the difference between British wrestling and Brit Rez is you know Brit Rez when it was at its height was wrestling that you would encourage you know Canadians listening to us on this podcast, Americans, you know, even, you know, people like John and Way, we'd say, oh, you should go watch this match, you should go watch that match, you should go watch this show. I wouldn't say that about any other promotion running in the UK right now, mm. but being there at the high stakes, you know, the, I was on Twitter, you know, telling people they need, even though I hadn't seen that main event, people needed to see Gabriel Kidd and, and Francesco Akira. People needed to be paying attention to, to RevPro again. And yeah, you know, they are kind of standing alone right now and it's it's days out like that at that your hall that are that are making them stand out yeah and it's like you just noted there it's that roster depth they've got now as well isn't it because mm. that was always you know red pro always used to do good shows but it was always like you know mainly based around sort of like the big new japan names who they were bringing over weren't it and i think mm. even andy quilden said uh, when i spoke to him you know that people got spoiled with that they were like oh you're bringing Minoru suzuki over again oh yeah whatever and he was like people kind of got spoiled with bringing those big names over but now they've got this just such a great depth all, all the names that you just mentioned there and even when you do lose like an osprey you've got ricky Nai jr and oku and then like you said the building up the likes of luke jacobs and you have got like imports that they can start to trickle in like the likes of shane strickland who's going to be doing a, a uk tour it's really really promising even like we always flagged them off for their women's division or, or lack of it and you know alex wins the lead in that you know they've got other people in there you know can they get a Millie McKenzie back? Nixon Newell, what's she doing at the mm. minute? You know what I mean? It's sort of like 
there's all that promise that they've got for for the next year and, and they haven't got to rely on bringing sort of like big New Japan names because that's not going to happen for a long while, is it? They're going to be, you know, bringing the likes of Okada and Suzuki and Ishii over again. So, yeah, it's just great but, that, they, that mm. they have got this depth. Yeah, but imagine when they can, you know, like add that to this, you know. And I, I think we were reasonably critical of the last Your Hall show. You know, again, I wasn't, you know, for this one, I was in the area anyway. We were going to, like, hooked on afterwards with, you know, with Steph being on this show too. You know, that's kind of the reason I was in the area. But I still would have gone to this show, I think. Uh, would have felt bad it being your uh, your birthday party night out, and I still feel bad about that, Martin. Sorry I missed it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you felt bad about this in, this in your call too. Um, but, you know, know, unfortunate time in there. Um, but, you know... I it, think last time it was Valentine's Day, weren't it? Oh, that, um, it was two years against ago. We lost very much, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bad timing for me. Oh, that's it, yeah. So that, did, that didn't work out well. But, yeah, you know, I this was a car where I would have made it, you know, concerted effort to make a trip to in any situation you know that the last show looked okay on paper but you know show to umino in a main event against will osprey just didn't really fill me with excitement and then we reviewed that show didn't we and it was like oh and the reviews coming out of that live show from the organs you know uh, from our mate liam and from other people who were there live was like no this was a really good show and I kind of had that FOMO and was like, no, I, you know, I do need to start getting regularly down to York Hall again. And, you know, I should, when they put on a show as good as this with the talent they've got, it makes me think, you know, future York Hall shows, you know, the attendance was great for this and the atmosphere was great for this and the show was great for this. But yeah, you had a couple of, you know, heavyweight New Japan names at the top of these cards or, dare I say it, a couple of AEW names. Then, you know, we're really cooking with gas, aren't we? Um, and that's, you know, I know, Japan, like you say, is uh, maybe a pipe dream right now, but you never know how quickly can, things can change in the uh, in the world we're in right now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, should we get into the main event? This has been the uh, match mm. has been talked about by everyone this week. You know, obviously, I talked with uh, Michael about you know John Wage review with Dave Meltzer, but then you even seen like tons of people from like all over the world, sort of like saying, "Oh wow, watch that match!" and it was brilliant. Um, so I think it really opened. A lot of people's eyes up to sort of like Michael Oka, especially because obviously a lot of people already knew Will Ospreay. But just a fantastic match, wasn't it? Just everything clicked for me, obviously. The opening video package, the entrances, the back and forth before before they sort of like hit that extra gear with Oku's family getting involved and the fire up from him and the crowd just mm. going absolutely crazy. The mad dive onto that small table at ringside, you know, all the drama of Osprey with all those hidden blades at the end. And I thought... Both men played their roles to perfection here. Osprey, probably the best he's been as a heel, just sat in the ring after the victory, looking like an absolute lunatic. And just Oku was already over with the majority of the audience, but a, a, I think a, fair to say a star-making performance from him. And I think the rematch, I mean, that's going to be, unless something else comes that just, you know, that's even bigger, it's going to be the hottest ticket in sort of like Brit Rest this year, for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, you know, that was the thing. This wasn't, as, you know, Oku said to you and said to John and Wei, like, this wasn't the first time they did the match. You know, they did the match already on a, was it a London show? A 229 show? Um, Southampton. Southampton, yeah. Southampton, yeah. Southampton get a lot of big matches, actually, at the, uh, at the oh, minute. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that. But, yeah, like, you know, they did it there, maybe not knowing whether they'd get Osprey again and, you know, not being quite as fresh a match was maybe the only knock you could have on it. And then you come out of this match, it's like, no, you know, I want to see these two wrestle 
five more times, you know, I'm sure you could fill your call another couple of times with that that combination and yeah you've said it all there you know we've there's been a million great reviews about it you know it's one of those one of those rare weeks where you know we never cover Brit res on grapple anymore so i don't usually have this problem anymore but you know t- we talked <laughs> about this match on grapple a couple of days ago but this is a match i don't mind talking about twice this is a match where it was so good i'd want to talk about it twice because you know i was slightly bitter having missed this main event and you know not been able to stay for it and then you hear all the praise come out and then, you know, you see some of the gifts and stuff and, you know, on face value, I didn't hugely love, you know, the look of the stuff with with uh, with Osprey and, uh, and Amira, Michael Oku's girlfriend. And, you know, there were a couple of nutty looking spots I saw gifts of with the match, but there was still a pessimistic part of me that was like, ah, I don't know, this feels like a bit of a, a big smoking mirrorsy type York or main event rather than just, you know, a, a great wrestling match. I'm probably not going to love it when I watched it, and I watched it, and that was the reason I loved it. You know, you mentioned there that 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 point where the match turned, you know, the big table spot when uh when Uku landed on, you know, what what did look like a computer desk or you know a, a school desk <laughs> rather than a you know a traditional breaking wrestling table, and then you know the moment he came up and you know Osprey was you know getting slightly physical um with, with his girlfriend Demir and you know all of that stuff worked because it led to just this change in emotion in the match and change in feeling in the match and the blood and the the fire that was coming out of Oku. It just it wasn't just a two wrestlers performing a wrestling a very, very good level wrestling match in your call anymore. It felt like something altogether different. It felt real. And you know, even little things like the the rope slip that uh you know Michael's mentioned in the in those interviews and you know the uh, the little things that maybe didn't quite you know land perfectly worked because this was you know a, a crazy man michael oku trying to trying to get his revenge and trying to, to fire up and being driven you know entirely by emotion you know and and the blood and the blood on both men's face you know the fact that that, that osprey got caught up as well kind of almost making them equals at that point in the match kind of added to the drama as well and what it gave us was near falls that despite having been in the building myself, despite knowing the finish to the match, I bought on, or at least kind of watch going, hang on, how are they going to have Oku kick out here, or how are they going to do this and make it plausible? And they made it plausible because they added that drama, they added that kind of, you know, every, you know, Oku was kicking out with his last gas breath, you know, when he was mm. just slowly turning his shoulder, and that could be a spot that's overdone, you know, in a match that doesn't have the emotion or the stakes that this match had, but it, it worked perfectly for the occasion that they had here. Every every fire up, you know, from the hidden blade near fall to the that styles clash uh, double down where they were both down on the floor, you know, the, that where you know Oka kind of popped up with that last bit of energy and went for that super half mm. grab all stuff that could be hokey in a different match but with these stakes and with that extra level of emotion that, that got added with the you know the ringside shenanigans and the blood it all just worked so so well and it made Oku look like as we've talked about on this show the last while one of the best baby faces in the world you know in all of those those destination everywhere tags we've been raving about Michael Oku as like the underdog baby face in those tags and this was him you know as a singles act doing that act and doing it to perfection and it had Osprey who is someone who you know rightly gets criticized at times and also gets criticized by you know the likes of us for his character work and himself being a little bit hokey as a heel there was just something about this that was absolutely perfect. He came across as the world's 
biggest bastard, some might say he is, um, and but he but in character he came across as such, and you know the the finish, which again might sound you know melodramatic and silly, you know the fact that he kept picking Oku up work perfectly you know with the story they were telling the story going to the ma- this match was what the you know osprey had told the you know refs and oku had told the refs not to end this match and you know ref followed through with that and it took osprey basically having to to kill oku to to put him down and, and did eventually have to pin him and it just made you know in defeat this made michael oku was a your core main eventer and it solidified, you know, Osprey as, you know, his position in Rev Pro as well. It was just an almost perfect bit of business that, yeah, came right out of that that switch in the middle of the match and absolutely deserves all the plaudits at the beginning. Yeah, because obviously there are, you know, there there are a lot of problems with Will Osprey, but you can say that for him that he he's willing to come back and work with everyone and sort of like, you know, help you know, make these matches, because obviously Oku is rightly getting a lot of the praise, but, you know, it doesn't work without Osprey in there, does it? And him sort of, like, you know, willing to go through all this, and, you know, I I imagine it was quite painstaking to put this match together, and, you know, and I think they both did an absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, and I absolutely have to be there that you know you, you know the the fear of missing out especially when oku fired up and the crowd went absolutely ballistic you're like oh god i so wish i'd have been in the building for that one but i suppose um like you said everyone's talked about that card about that match sort of like quite a bit this week but the rest of the card obviously spoke about gabriel kidd and his cracking match against eddie kingston last month and he's back over in the uk for what is essentially a cup of coffee at a cracker against Francesco Akiri. I mean, um, not a very long match, was it? But went hell to lever. I mean, that sickening exploder on the ramp and just really stiff offense after sort of stiff offense. I mean, I used to enjoy watching Gabriel Kinder like Southside and what culture, but he was never sort of like someone I was like raved about. But seems to be on another level after spending all that time away in LA and Japan and just seems to have all the tools now to, you know, do some good stuff in Japan and beyond and maybe another future headliner when he does come back to the UK. Yeah, definitely. You know, the the thing about him is he's someone who, you know, I would say you did kind of, you know, you were one of the first people I kind of heard giving him a lot of praise. Maybe you, you know, the... Again, you know, Andy, who's not on the show that this month was a big booster of Gabriel Kidd, despite their, you know, alleged feud they'd have across shows where, where Gabe would uh, would see Andy in the crowd and head for him like a beeline. Um, but he was someone who I was kind of lukewarm on, you know. I was like, oh, yeah, he looks like a good prospect. And I remember us doing this show and talking about it, you know, when he was willing to... It was kind of a, bit, a little bit jarring, to be honest, because it felt like, you know, it wasn't the biggest name in Britain, but he was established to a point, wasn't he, when he decides to go to mm-hmm. New Japan and then... We started seeing him on Rev Pro shows and he was dressed like a contender, you know, in, in black trunks. And it was like, I feel like he's bigger than this. Like, this is a little bit odd. Mm. What a great decision. <laughs> you know, what a great decision. You know, he got stranded in in Japan and, you know, got those those reps in the New Japan Cup, got lots more work than you might have expected him to get. Has done the great work, you know, in the in the LA Jojo as well that, that you referenced there. That Eddie Kingston match was a 4.25 star match in itself, if not four and a half that I absolutely loved on New Japan Strong. And he's pulled out of work in and he came back a completely different wrestler. Like, I was blown away. I really thought this would be the match everyone would be talking about. Like, the, the morning after the Rumble, I got a text from, uh, a DM from John going, oh, was Osprey Oku as good as everyone said? And I was like, oh, I actually didn't see it. Sorry, but, you know, Game Kid Francesco Akira was really good. <laughs> and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, that that uh, that, that 
it's still getting talked about, but I did expect, you know, when I, when I, when I left the uh, the venue, that that would be the match everyone was talking about. So I hope it doesn't get lost in the conversation. But at the same time, it's still, you know, it's on the best possible card for people to, to go out and see it. So, yeah, if you have only checked out the main event, go and watch this because it was, as you described, uh, Martin, it live, it was... It was a fight, really. It was just, I mean, at its base level, it was two lads hitting each other really hard. But, you know, it was a Gabriel kid who is not a young boy anymore. You know, in, in New Japan, over the last couple of years, you probably get used to seeing Gabe Kid being the, you know, on the receiving end of, of some of the, you know, the beatings that he was given to a, to Akira in this match. And Akira was, you know, just as good himself. It was very much a, an old Japan wrestler versus a New Japan wrestler match. And it was 15 minutes of no fat you know, I'd probably describe it as a as a bit of a str- sprint, but not in maybe the way you'd imagine a sprint to be as far as big moves go. It was a sprint in the way it was just a hard-hitting, real fight and a real struggle. So, yeah, you know, if you've not seen it or maybe you saw the Eddie Kingston match from New Japan Strong, watch this too because it really opened my eyes to Gabriel Kidd and the only negative for me is that he, uh, you know, might... what. I don't believe he's going to be in the uh, the country for for much longer, at least on on this trip. So I just hope it means we, you know, we get more of Rev Pro as a, a base for him, and he can make a, a few more trips home. Yeah, definitely. Because he challenged Osprey, didn't he, for the uh, Rev Pro title at uh, mm. the most recent show? And I don't think they've announced that match yet. So that's obviously something they've got in the mm. in the pipeline. But as for the rest of the show, um, Aussie Open against Sunshine Machine, obviously the Broken Toys, as you once labelled them, Benno, uh, TK Cooper and Chuck Mambo, have really sort of like captured people's imaginations in the past sort of like month, haven't they? You know, um, had a really good ovation from the crowd beating Aussie Open here. Um, I thought this was a, a pretty decent match as well. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it wasn't to the high level of you know other big Aussie Open matches I've I've seen at your hall, but it was a perfectly acceptable entry into that. And I think probably an eye opener for people on Sunshine Machine. You know, I know Chuck Mambo is not to to everybody's tastes, and TK Cooper's been you know kind of here, there, and everywhere on on Brit Res cards, and never maybe lived up to you know what people saw in him especially back when he was in the South Pacific uh, power trip and it just, you know, obviously for, for various reasons uh, went by the uh, the wayside. But, you know, they are quietly a, a good little team. Um, and I thought this was good booking, you know. I think, having, like I said earlier, having Aussie Open on on these big York Hall shows I think gives a, another selling point. You can go there and be guaranteed a at least near four-star match, if, if not better. But... Again, you know, like Gabriel Kidd, and I'm sure Aussie Open are, are headed off to uh, to Japan at some point soon. That's got to happen, you know, be in the card soon <laughs> enough. We've been saying that for about four oh, years. Now, I, you can see it in the faces. Yeah, I know they were building it up as like a bit of a gimmick, where, you know, going up against Andy Q and posting on Instagram how unhappy they were to come back to England. But there's probably an element of truth to that. They probably thought they weren't coming back again. But the truth is, you know, eventually that's going to happen. So you need to establish your own acts and what better place than a you know a, a big York Hall show with the eyes of the world on it to to put a sunshine machine over and to you know maybe help refab rehab them in the uh, in the eyes of a lot of fans you know it was you know maybe I, I say you know a Aussie Open four star York Hall match maybe it wasn't I do think you know there's a couple of botches near the end specifically the finish that made you know the ending feel a, a little bit mm. hollow I was just uh, about to do a runner to uh, to go and catch my train at that point so it was a bit of a bit of a downer to end what had been a good match up until then but there was plenty to be positive about too and yeah I think if if Red Pro keep booking them strongly like this I think you know they'll continue to get a bit more credibility in a lot of people's eyes and yeah I'd like to see Sunshine Machine in more spots like this 
Yeah, definitely. And they're, um, you know, if Ozzy Open are going there, it's sort of like a good tag team for Red Pro to have, sort of like as the uh, champions face, sort of like a number of teams they could bring in there. But um, other sort of like notable from the undercard uh, that I thought, obviously, Luke Jacobs against uh, Ricky Knight Jr. I mean, we talked about the depth of the roster. These two had, had a good match. And sort of like Ricky Knight Jr. is kind of like he had that big match against Osprey, didn't he? And sort of like his, he did the sort of like tag stuff with his... Um, with his dad, the dad and lad combo, and <laughs> going back to sort of like doing more single stuff. And um, yeah, and it's, it seems like uh, Red Pro are taking uh, Luke Jacobs on as a, as a project, you know, building him up as sort of like another sort of like homegrown guy that could use. Hmm. Yeah, I like this one as maybe as a concept more than a match. Uh, there's definitely people out there that are, that are higher than, than me on this one. Uh, I don't know, maybe I expected too much out of it. You know, maybe expected something to the level of, uh, you know, Akira Kid from the from the second half, whereas this was a decent first half main event. But, you know, um, I wouldn't go further than that. You know, a three and a half star match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was fun to see, you know, yeah, to see Luke in this spot insane to me I, I, I still feel like i'm wrong when i say this like luke jacobs and ricky Knight jr are the same age right they're both 21 like how's yeah. that possible <laughs> like you know like if you just looked at luke jacobs you go wow he's good for 21 and it's no slight on him but you look at ricky Knight jr and you, you don't just go wow he's good for 21 you go wow he's great for 21 wow he's you know R- ricky Knight jr could be main event in these shows you know within the next six months or so i think he is literally on the on the cusp of that level and for such a young age we're going to be yeah talking about him for years and years and i like the market and the match i like the whole fight for the the future kind of build that they gave it i like them you know giving luke this spot you know known as a tag wrestler and could have easily you know rep could have easily stopped using him in this period with uh with the Allen out so i want to see more of that i want to see more of him in uh in big matches but for me as a match yeah it may be undelivered just just a little bit me and yeah maybe i'd like to uh, to see them work again also when ethan does come back i think red pro are the only promotion in the uk that have not done them two against each other so that's another sort that's of true. Like, you know good match to have on on your call and open people's eyes up to them um any sort of like that you wanted to mention from the rest of the card obviously alex windsor's um you know doing great work as the as the women's champion here you know really sort of like like i noted before you know it was always like lacking um the women's division in Red Pro, and I think she's doing a great job, sort of like since she came back as the champion. Yeah, um, you know, was Aaron Charlie Evans was a good, you know, little three point two five star, maybe you know, match there. Charlie Evans is someone I do rate, um, and you know, it's you know, it's good that Red Pro made use of her while she's was back in the country. Um, didn't think it was a hugely notable match. It was mainly notable for the Debbie Keitel promo post match that I feel like might still be going on at this second. Um, <laughs> good, I don't, I don't know what they've done with it on the VOD, whether they've chopped it down or whatever. But live, if there was a reason the uh, the main event, um, you know, hit the ring as uh, as does as the uh, the show was supposed to already be finished, um, <laughs> that was probably key reason. That and Dan Maloney early in the night who just felt like he was trying to get his breath after his match and had a microphone in his face and was trying to cut a promo at the same time two segments that went way 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 too long on the show and did cause some i think part of the timing issues although you can probably blame your call security for uh for a lot of that but yeah that was kind of a main uh, main takeaway there dan maloney callum newman was fine you know callum newman i like him in this role as being just a you know a guy you can give little spot matches to or if a, an opportunity opens up on a card you can you can slot him right in you know to suji shota Umino was all right you know more legion 
story kind of uh, being told there. Don't quite see it with Shota Umino and myself, um, but yeah, keep them on the roster because if John Moxley can come in one day, there you go. There's uh, there's some matches you can uh, you can do there, yeah. so I can you know can understand it. And you know, yeah, I've heard you know Quilden himself to say in interviews, well, you know, I don't know if I believe it or not, but you know, one day these two could you know face each other on uh, you know a Wrestle Kingdom, or they could be you know in that kind of position in New Japan, and we can all look back and go, we saw them in there in their formative mm-hmm. years. So you know, despite the fact we haven't got big New Japan main eventers, it is cool we get to see those uh, those kind of lads on the on the card. But yeah, all in all, it was just a really well fleshed out show, well laid out show with you know, like I say three big feeling matches um, in the second half. You know, a big enough feeling uh, first half main event that may be a little bit under level for me. But when you got a main event, uh, the quality we had here, this is. You know, not to. I, I told you then, I Martin. I was I was retiring. Brit Reiser's dead um, for this year. But you know, <laughs> well, what that phrase always meant, as I explained for the one million time, was you know the Brit Res the world was watching didn't really exist anymore. We've got a lot of that nice little local companies that you can go out on the nights and have, have a piss up with your mates and you know go and see in your local area. That scene is not dead. Um, what has been dead is you know a scene that we can recommend to our friends, a scene that we can with a straight face say to to John and Way you need to go and check out this match. It was refreshing to feel like we were a little bit part of that scene again. We, you know, the match as good as Osprey Oko, a match that, you know, I gave 4.75 stars to. I was a coward, didn't go the full five. So plenty of people go five stars on the grapple app. I expect it'll be in a lot of match of the year contenders at the end of the year, you know, and that says everything, you know, Rev Pro, even looking at 2021, uh, I know Gareth put a, a graphic out uh, tonight. They are the one European promotion, you know, including WXW, including Progress, including, you know, but those kind of cut that kind of competition. They're the one European company that had four matches in the in the top 100 matches on Grapple last year, and I think they're going to go even further this year because in 2022 this is going to be a match that's not going to be in the in the top 100 of the Grapple. It's going to be there or thereabouts the uh, the top 10 of the year. So you know the fact that we had that on British Source again did feel a little bit like yeah okay this is this is the Brit Res we remember. This is the Brit Res we want to be recommending to our uh, to our pals uh, from all over. Yeah, and a lot of buzz about Red Pro at the minute. So obviously, you know, it's the balls in their court to uh, keep that going, isn't it, for uh, mm. the next year and into the summer. I mean, they've got that big summer sizzler show coming up, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more dates at your call. So yeah, it's on them to to keep that momentum going. But I suppose sticking with the London-based promotions, Progress Wrestling made their return to live shows at their old haunt of the Electric Ballroom in London. Uh, new owners. Healthy-looking crowd for the show back. Look close to capacity on the VOD. Maybe not 1,100 that was reported in the, uh, the Wrestling <laughs> Observer. Um, and the new MC in Simon Miller. First off, I'll say, uh, you know, flicking this on on the WWE Network, I'll say that Miller, you know, he's not trying to do a, a Jim Smallman act. He's got a natural likability and charisma, and I thought he worked well as a host on this. Yeah, that's it. It's a, it's a, it's a real, you know... For everything we can say about Jim Smallman, he was very, very, very good at that job, you know, at least at a time. And everyone they've had to try and do his job. You know, Matt Richards was always like Jim Smallman Jr. Um, and then they tried to put him in the role and it's just, it was a poison chalice, wasn't it? And then MT Arena era, they tried to do it with Roy Johnson and 
good god, that 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 came off badly, and if anything, lowered Roy Johnson's stock for me as a as a pro wrestler. Whereas, yeah, Simon Miller feels like a good fit, doesn't he? You know, someone that okay, yeah, not maybe not in our hardcore Brit Red circles is someone that maybe people know, but you know, if you're out there watching, you know, your your YouTube videos or the like, if you're in that what culture cultaholic wrestle talky kind of universe, he's a he is a name, um, and he is good at what he does, isn't he? Um, and he's you know popular um, to kind of that group, so. I think he, he was a I think he's a big enough name in that world or in our world to go in and be his own man and not just be you know smallman 2.0 and even if there are similarities you know with the the jokey style and stuff um I think if you're gonna choose to have an MC like that doing the job yeah I have overall I think I've got a positive impression of him and you know one thing I will say about this new progress and <laughs> you know I, it's hard because uh, you know, the, the, there are people behind the scenes of this new progress so i do get on with personally which is definitely a challenge compared to the uh, the previous regime of progress i'll tell you that but oh you know oh, there were times mate there were good times there were bad times uh, i mean i do believe these are intelligent people who were you know trying to make a viable business out of this i mean they need to get the faces out of it though don't they like that you know there's too much of that mm. there's too much of bestie there's too much of you know the lads in suits shaking hands on the way into shows like progress is supposed to be it's a cool wrestling brand isn't it or at least it was once upon a time like you know let let simon miller be the face of it like you know he fits i, I, I think you know lads in suits with you know all of the best intentions of the world doing cringy david brent style q a's is just not what this brand needs as far as revamping it and we are, it is a weird thing like this this revamp of progress like in some ways you know things are clearly different and in some ways they're not using you know the the ghosts that are past but then in other ways you know same logo same music same roster is there a real difference between you know what was a really uncool dry empty arena progress product that they were putting on the WWE network and what they're doing now um, you know, a couple of names aside, you know, a, a surprise that didn't appear on the network on this one, and you know, Strickland coming up in the shows, and I suppose you can say Gresham too. It is that same core, and it is that same feel, and it is that same, you know, chapter names and the, you know, the the Simpsons jokes as as pro, as chapter names that got old seventy five chapters ago. You know, I feel like maybe pick a lane. Are we rebranding or we we sticking with what quote unquote worked? Um. It's a bit confused right now for me. I just I feel like yeah, they need to maybe pick what they're doing. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah, definitely. I just wanted to go back to Simon Miller there because you did say you know obviously he's got a huge YouTube following and um, you think they'd utilize him more you know outside of the show days you know yeah he know, should be the face great... yeah and he should be make he should I don't know if they've got plans for that in the pipeline but he should be you know they should be getting him out there to do the media appearances and things like that you know. You know to get the brand out there more and he's certainly you know a fantastic he'd be a fantastic sort of brand ambassador for them so i don't know if they have got the plans to use him in that capacity but it certainly seems weird that you know they're not utilizing him more in that respect but um i suppose you know they might do in the future but yeah I suppose I, I i do completely agree with you what everything that you just said there but looking at that crowd i know it's the only yeah. the first show back but you know other people you know who you know, or outside of our sort of like circle and stuff like that, who who want that? They want that same branding. They want that same sort of like core roster and things. You know, with a couple of imports smattered in here and there. And and certainly from this first show, it looks like you know 
it was a big success for it for all intents and purposes if you're just um, going off the, the crowd numbers on that first show and if you think you know we we were we've been in our group chats being snidey brit res people and going oh we'll have a laugh at this you know <laughs> we weren't quite doing that but with our with our with our expectations you know at the floor end of what would happen here yes because you know within our bubble um you know progress is a very very uncool brand and you know or has all kind of damage on it to it, both for pro wrestling reasons and you know very legitimate non wrestling region reasons that made me really question why you would buy this and why you wouldn't just do your own thing. But I think the answer to the question why why you buy progress at least for this this first show and that first Manchester show is that yes, there are more of those people, the progress fan group type people, the people who have maybe you know kept their head down during this last couple of years who are still passionate about progress still willing to travel to these shows and still like we say definitely not 1100 of them but you know maybe a real reasonable number might be 600 of them or you know depending with comps and whatever maybe 700 of them still turned up to the ballroom here for a show that on paper looked you know not half as good as that red pro your hall mm-hmm. show they turned up for that brand of progress so when i talk about you know the brand and being confusing the counterpoint you can make i suppose in in some ways as well you know that brand of progress still carries some weight to those people did they do enough as far as you know getting those people to come back and buy into future progress shows are they lich is there a group of people out there that are literally going to turn up to whatever progress put on in the ballroom because mm. it's progress at the ballroom maybe they are maybe maybe there is is there enough of those people in manchester i'm a little bit more pessimistic based on the, the results coming out of that Manchester show but the people who went sounded like they had a great time yeah you know maybe we do need to give a bit more of a credit to the fact that you know outside of the hardcore Brit Res bubble and maybe you know people who even it's hard for us to believe they exist but are, who are casually watching Progress or God forbid even NXT UK on the uh, on the WWE Network maybe there's enough of those people being created for, for shows of, of this size that you know there, there is a sustainable business there but you know they are going to have to put the work into it to make sure they come back I suppose Oh yeah definitely because I mean for me for my personal taste I mean this show was night and day compared to the York Hall show we just talked about I mean it was all right. I watched the full thing on the WWE Network. Main event between Karen Noir and Chris Ridgway was pretty decent, but the rest didn't do a great deal for me. So I suppose the big news story coming out of this one was, you know, that they missed off the version that I watched on WWE Network. That was uh, Anthony Agogo made an appearance, didn't he, and faced off against uh, Harry Singh. And, you know, Agogo, still part of AEW, clearly hates flying to Orlando if his Twitter's anything to go by. I mean, uh, he was in London. They reached out and he was like, yeah, fuck it. I mean, it didn't, didn't seem to be any repercussions from this, uh, you know, other than the fact that the match wasn't included on on the network version of the show. Yeah, what a weird thing, because, like, you know, when he turned up, we were all, we all double talk and we're like, hang on, is Ogogo left AEW? That was my first instinct. Yeah, I and think he, everyone was, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, you know, you mentioned there about a mate in America, and that's a shoot, you know, having met the bloke, I've, I've heard it from him, um, you know, and he, I think he, he flew all the way out there for that last pay per view and they didn't use him. So, you know, uh, don't know what's going on with him in AEW right now. 
but also at the same time, having met him and having heard him in interviews and stuff, it wouldn't shock me if he was just like, yeah, I can make a show. And then it turned out he couldn't. Because um, <laughs> it was weird because there was mixed message in the Progress fans group had Progress outright saying, yes, this will appear on WWE Network. And then flash forward a couple of weeks later, and it was like, there is one bonus match that will only be available on demand Progress. And we all figured mm. out what that one bonus match is. So that sounded to me like maybe you go, go making promises, you know, we couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't stick to, or, you know, maybe I's been, not being dotted and T's not being crossed. Um, but I, I mean, I will say, you know, I think that's the negative. It feels a little bit disorganized and a little bit like, hang on, having watched the WWE Network version of this show, it did feel like it was missing that moment. You know, that's something nice for the live fans, but, you know, taking it out of the, the, the show that the majority of people are going to see doesn't seem great. But on the other hand, I suppose, you know, it in, it intrigues me and it interests me that at least this and new ownership are trying to think outside the box. You know, you can, yes, you can rely on your NXT UK names, I suppose, if that relationship still exists. And it seems like from the Manchester show, it does. You know, they brought Ilya uh, in on that show and got, you got a massive pop, which shows that, you know, this Dad and All Progress fan, fan um, group type are, are still into, into that and into seeing NXT UK guys on these shows. But you know, while I'm personally quite negative on really wanting to see that, what I am interested in is the fact that, yeah, they're using Jonathan Gresham. You know, they're using Anthony Agogo, even if it didn't quite work out 100% here. They're using Shane Strickland. You know, that that, that progress was, as much as it was a Brit Res company, it was built on imports as much as RevPro was. So that encourages me that they were willing to at least step outside the box and do something that maybe didn't you know tie in with you know the the wwe branded version of progress we maybe saw over the last couple of years um but yeah just next time they probably need to figure those uh those little details out yeah definitely because i mean um, we talked about the crowd for the first ballroom show and you know you kind of think well they've got um you know, quite a number of shows in a short amount of time. And you think, can they keep these crowds up? And like, you know, there they did have a show in Manchester on the 6th of February that hasn't hit VOD yet. And that had Jonathan Gresham against Chris Ridgway facing off. And initially, some of the pictures didn't look great. You know, front row still available on show day. I mean, £43. I uh, went to see Bruce Springsteen for that amount of money in Hyde Park in London. Um, but you know, from you know when more pictures came out, looked um, a, a decent crowd from the first bell, and you know, like you said, the Ilya Dragunov making his return to face off against Coronawar got a massive reaction. Um, no match announced between those two. Yeah, I mean, would we be more at ease letting the talent go to the satellite promotions? I mean, Progress did have a few uh, NXT UK guys on shows pre-pandemic, but I can't remember the NXT UK champion appearing that much for them. It's gone back and forth that many times, hasn't it? That, like, who knows? <laughs> I mean, it, it's a statement of intent, though. It shows that, you know, as well as doing the, the deals that we want to see and get those indie names in, they are clearly still able to reach out to WWE, despite, you know, not, you know, in the past, obviously, John Briley owning progress and being involved with NXT UK probably made that a lot easier. It shows, you know, and with Briley leading, you know, this London show, apparently he was backstage still making all the calls, um, at least for that first show, shows, you know, there's still that, you know, active relationship there and they can they can still they can still do that. Um, do I want to see Carol versus Ilya Dragunov? No. Um, <laughs> do I think it's a big deal at the NXT UK champion is on progress shows no but yeah you can't help but watch you know the videos that came out of manchester on sunday and think you know clearly there's a there's a fan base that that is into that so you know um uh, those fans will probably buy a ticket you know to see those two continue that whatever that 
story was they were doing uh, pre, uh, pre-pandemic uh, on progress shows. I guess that uh, that is going to be a ticket seller for some. Well, they are back at the Electric Ballroom on February the 20th. Uh, Jonathan Gresham coming back in that face-off. Good old Dino, Dean Allmark. Uh, love a bit of Dino. And then they've got uh, Shane Strickland against Cara Noir. I mean, what do you make of that match, Strickland against Cara Noir? I mean, obviously, Cara Noir's, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, sort of like, quote-unquote, the big, the biggest star they've, they've got in terms of what progress is, you know, being the champion and everything. But that, that, that seems like an odd matchup to me, uh, Strickland against him. Yeah, it's funny, Karen Noir, because he's not. Again, this is a taste thing. He's not to my taste as as a wrestler, really. I've seen a, I've seen him. I've seen the act. It's done. It's done with me. You know, saw him over at WXW sixteen carat weekend, and that was enough. Um, I've seen him on all of these shows, and that was enough. But I do like that progress. I've got a unique champion, and Rev Pro have got you know a unique champion. I think having that unique identity even if it's not personally for me, is good. Um, I mean, that match interests me as much as the Ridgeway match did on that London show, you know. Three out of two or 75 falls or whatever it was, was, you know, 75 <laughs> too many for me. Um, I mean, there's not a more bland in the world for me than watching Chris Ridgeway versus Karen Noir yet again after, you know, all of those empty arena shows. And to be honest, you know, you describe that match and Shane Strickland excites me, but <laughs> Karen Noir wasn't my choice, you know, as far as people I wanted to yeah. see him go against, even if he's their champion and you can understand why the match was was made. Um, I'll be honest, you know, you say there were fans of Dino. Dino and and Gresham has got me considering it um, you know as a show like yeah. I, you know as much as it, almost like a I don't know going there on safari just to, to see what the, the electric ballroom is like these days how much is a pint of Camden Hells um, but also getting to see that match that is a draw and that's what I talk about this weird kind of conflicting two sides to this where they are still leaning into the WWE Network side of things, but they are still offering matches like that. That that's quite unique, to be honest. Uh, more unique, I think, than uh, than Ridgeway Gresham that was on that that Progress Manchester show last week. Um, you know, stuff like that. Despite me watching, you know, this last London show and almost glazing over out of you know boredom of these you know mm. endless parade of three. I mean, you start a match, you start a show with G Money versus Kid Like Us, and you've lost Benno right away. But you know, you follow up with a, a load of three star matches. Even the spaceman Gene G Money that did oh, do anything for you, Fuck off. Um, it's just not for me. It'll never be for me. But whatever. Um, saying that, you know, the show did, it, it did have um, Charlie Sterling and Nick Riley against you know Mambo and Cooper. Just briefly, you know, we raved about them before on the Rev Pro show. They were very good there too as well. And you know, Charles Charlie Sterling is a wrestler who has never felt like it's he's really found who he is. You know as a look as an act as a wrestler um, him and Nick Riley showed yeah, a bit yeah he always seemed like one foot in one foot out didn't he because he'd make an appearance as to like you know regularly for PCW and then he'd be in yeah. OTT and things like that and then he'd well, I suppose he was kind of like a regular for OTT and then he'd appear in promotions and then you wouldn't see him for ages and he kind of yeah. seemed like, um, you know, he had a lot more going on in his real life than wrestling. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So maybe that's part of it, but I've always raised them and I, I thought they, they that was kind of one of the first times I've really, you know, other than, M- well, I suppose MT Arena is the only time I would have saw them, you know, as a team, but where it kind of connected for me. So the crowd helped there, you know, they had a match, maybe not a four-star match, but a 3.57 3.75 star-ish kind of match there that was a bit of a saving grace of the show for me because other than that, you know, your Charlie Evans, Lana Austin's, your Session Marth, uh, Tyonga match, your, you know, all of that stuff kind of just 
there's just a melting pot of two and a half star to three star matches. Even the mm. even the big, you know, uh, you know Warren Banks, Derice, Malik, Maloney, uh, Roy Johnson match, like that match. I mean, it stood out for me mainly because Derice literally seems to have entirely stolen Roy Johnson's gimmick um, and is twice as over with him at, at this point. And stood out for me because Jody Fleisch came across as a five times as big a star and as good a wrestler as anybody else in the ring on that match. Um, you know, there wasn't much on that card that that stood out for me and made me think, oh, I need I need to keep watching progress or it was even in the, the same league of what red pro offered at, at your call you know only a only a week later but yeah put an interesting match like a like a gresham and uh and dean Omar on your show maybe it maybe you get me a bit more interested charlie staying and nick riley maybe you know an interesting tag match with them maybe i'm i'm into it a little bit more but the core roster they've got just yeah they really, they really need to shake up. I don't think it was a good idea. I think RevPro put a lot of good work into their core roster and came out of stronger out of pandemic era. Progress, you know, those shows were just dying on the WWE Network. They were content for content's sake. I think the last best of they put on the network was about eight hours long, and it was stuff that you know, Ian, Ian, recording Ian, stopped. Even even Ian Hamilton wasn't watching. Yeah, because as much as progress might not be for me and you anymore, and as much as like, you know, we'll watch these shows and be like, oh, yeah, just this again. But, you know, it always keeps us talking on these shows because, I mean, sticking with them and their new owners, they've uh, joined forces with your hometown promotion of TNT. Uh, Lee McAteer and Martin Best of Progress have acquired a, a joint interest in TNT with their founder, Jay Apter. And I've uh, got to say, this came out of the blue for me. I mean, TNT, obviously, very deathmatch and gimmick match heavy. Um, you know, I was quite surprised when this announcement came out, Benno. Yeah, um, definitely caught me but by surprise. I'd heard little rumblings and such. You know, TNT, you know, I've gone to on and off. It's often dependent what's on the show, whether I can convince my mates to uh, <laughs> to make the trip. <laughs> um, I know, yeah, Grapple Gareth and, and Andy have always been, you know, big boosters of, you know, their ignition shows and the, the talent that they they have on on there. You know, the Lizzie Evo, uh, Alexis Falcon type matches that they've uh, been delivering on their shows. But, you know, yeah, I'm a, I've been, a you know, known to turn up to a, a deathmatch tournament like I, did, like I did on Thursday for TNT and, yeah, those GCW, you know, shows are that exciting coming up too. And, you know, they they are some a company that have definitely, I think, excited um people and that they are a company that despite their, I suppose, relative size and, and what they draw, you know, which isn't big numbers, you know, you're talking to fifty to a to hundred people, most shows as far as like, you know, nationally known companies because of their unique brand and they've stood out and because they've been so well promoted um, as a promotion, I think they've they've stood out. So yeah, um, very interesting to see them do this with progress. I don't really know how it will work um, as far as, you know, will mm. we get TNT afternoon shows on the days of, of big progress shows? Are they just going to be the cool, more adult, you know, arm of of progress and we'll see a lot of you know sharing of of talent across the two i could certainly see them turning up on like super strong style weekends and the uh and the like um maybe we'll get some of that too do an invasion um, angle are they do you think oh god let's avoid that (laughs) i think i think jj apps has been on the the progress fans group outright saying that's not happening so Mm. let's hope that's not happening (laughs) i don't think we need that (laughs) (laughs) we're taking over here we come this session mark martina yeah um, let's let's hope not um because yeah, I think, you know, TNT, like I say, don't make millions. It doesn't seem like to me just from the outside. It's, you know, you just look at their attendances for their shows and, you know, they run relatively small buildings most, you know, in fact, almost all of the time, at least thus far. Um, but, you know, if this is a lifeline for them and if it's a, a way for them to continue to exist, then, 
you know, it's good for me. They're only down the road from me. And yeah, you know, it's uh, always an easy trip and always a fun night out. Yeah, because they have announced that joint show with GCW sort of like sometime this year, aren't they? I'm going to assume that's going to be TNT guys against GCW guys. Um, they had previously announced they were going to do a show together, but obviously the pandemic put paid to that. Um, so they're going to do it this year instead. I mean, surely after that contract signing this week, they're going to do everything they can to try and get uh, Nick Gage over. I mean, are you excited for that, Benno? Nick Gage, uh, you know, on the mean streets of Liverpool. I mean, only if he turns up a grapple Gareth's house and uh, offers yeah. him a fight. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, no, he's grappling Garth. Grappling Garth, yeah. Uh, no, he has got a, I don't think he's got a chance of getting into this country. Like, remember, the, remember the days back in the past where Snoop Dogg couldn't even get in because of that made the case? Like, Nick Gage, not a chance. I don't think he's passing any Jeff kind of as well. I mean, um, yeah. he's not been over here since some TNA tours, has he? No, no, no. Um, so there's always those issues. And God, I can't imagine GCW have got the connections to make it work. I'm sure they'll, I bet you they'll try. Um, but I've got, you know, hey, they don't be... need the connections now. They've got Bestie and McTeer on the face, right? <laughs> they have all the connections, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but I, I think, like, yeah, you'll see, I think your Joey Janellas of the world, he's always making noise on Twitter, your Jimmy Lloyds of the world, you know, the guys who you see on every TNT show, apart from Nick Gage, I think, those are going to be the guys coming over. But when they when they first announced those GCW joint shows, they saw a lot of people saying they were going. I got a lot of buzz online, mm. you know, and certain it'll be a, a bigger venue than, you know, than Fusion or um, the hangar that, that TNT had, uh, have used in the past. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, it'll it'll warrant it, to be honest, because I could imagine them selling a good few hundred tickets on the on the back of it if uh, the buzz from last time is anything to go by. And, uh, you know, me, WH Park, I love this because it's his two favourite things, Deathmatch Richard and uh, apparent GCW fan, uh, Benno, uh, <laughs> coming together for a show in the UK. But, yeah, I'll be there, definitely. And it just yeah, kind of blows my mind that TNT are the ones who who pulled off this uh, this, this kind of deal. Because, yeah, geez, and this is before the progress stuff because GCW is by far the biggest name, isn't it, in, uh, in US indie wrestling? And, mm. you know, TNT, yeah kind of regional and kind of local so i think these are going to be massive shows for them yeah yeah definitely i can see you know just as a sort of like novelty people traveling sort of like from all over the country just to come to this like what gcw show in the uk you know so it'll be interesting um i don't want it in an indoor venue mate i want it in sort of like is it like a big field somewhere near your house so you know just stick a ring there and have a, <laughs> a full-blown proper deathmatch tournament that'd be that'd be even better but yeah it'd be definitely interesting to see what they announce for those cards and stuff but i suppose um just some sort of like uh, smaller items before we get out of here. I mean, obviously the big news that it virtually the day after we recorded our last show was obviously the Walter name change and his debut on NXT, you know, now as Gunther. I think tons has been said on this already, hasn't it? Not really much more to say, but I mean, do you think he stays in NXT for a while, teaming with Imperium and, and the lads? Um, I think Gunther, Walter, should just enjoy his holiday, you know, uh, have a great time in Florida. <laughs> put his feet up, you know, keep, he's looking great, you know, keep going that gym, keep having a good time. And, you know, the, the moment Vince McMahon or anyone, I'm sure it won't be Vince McMahon's idea, decides that it's uh, it's time for Walter and the, the money he's on to, to, and the fact that, the, you know, they're flying him over from, from Europe, he should be on the main roster, will be, you know, the countdown will start to the moment he gets sacked from that company because if that company couldn't make a star out of Keith Lee, um, mm. I would very much expect uh, Walter with his you know style. It doesn't seem like one that's suited for a Vince McMahon, you know, Monday Night Raw type product. Um, yeah, I think he's done for really. Um, but yeah, it's a weird one. It feels to me like maybe they made the plan 
to bring him over to the US and bring him over to NXT before all this NXT 2.0 stuff. And he's a bit of a, a hangover from the past because he doesn't really fit what they're doing, does he? You know, young acts no, with weird all. gimmicks. Um, weird name aside, um, which is, you know, it is a terrible name. I mean, Walter was a bad name. That's all. Let's all be honest with ourselves. You know, there was a wrestler called Walter. It was never a good name, but it was his name. And, you know, it, yeah, fit exactly. and it, it stuck with him. You know, the, the rebranding to Gunther and, the, I'd imagine you know they'll make him like a frozen Nazi by the time he makes it to the main roster. All of that oh, stuff. They're not going to help themselves, but mess around with him and uh, mess with the the formula that that did work in the past. No, yeah, it's not something that like oh maybe sort of like a big match against Braun Becker might sort of like pique your interest, but just for like a one match like that. But yeah, it doesn't look very promising for him, does it? But um, mm. I suppose sticking with WWE, we had a fair few Brits scattered in there. Do drop against Becky Lynch, Ridge Holland in the Rumble match. I mean. Um, yeah, I mean, that Dewdrop thing has not been great from the beginning. I don't think the match against, I don't know, obviously you watching it pissed up in a, a hooks on one viewing party, but I mean, <laughs> uh, did you, any, any thoughts on sort of like Dewdrop and then Ridge Holland in the Rumble? Nah, the Dewdrop match was the uh, the match when uh, we decided to uh, to leave the party and watch the Rumble at the, uh, the hotel. Um, so didn't <laughs> see much of that. Um, and yeah, I mean... More, I mean, that must be shocking for you to see someone who I imagine you've seen, you know, <laughs> do it. Do it. I was going oh, to get this right rugby league or rugby union, rugby league, yeah, or rugby, rugby league. Yeah, it was a rugby, rugby league, player, yeah, yeah. You must have seen yeah. him, and now he's doing rumbles. Yeah. That's so strange. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, no, because he just seems like he's like he doesn't get all the headlines and stuff, and then he's sort of like, I remember interviewing him back in the sort of like of course, four yeah. days, yeah, and like. Obviously, you know, he appeared Southside and Sheffield a couple of times and stuff like that. And obviously knowing full well from his, his rugby league career. I mean, he was never the, you know, he was never like the big superstar player, but always a solid sort of handy. I think he did like quite a number of clubs, um, but I think Salford uh, was like the, the big club that he appeared for. But yeah, it's just it's just so it is quite bizarre seeing him in, in a rumble match. And he, he seems to sort of like, I think he'll be one that they, they keep around for a while, probably not mm. doing a great deal with him, but I think, yeah, because they spent so long, you know, trying to get him over there. I think he even did that interview with me. And I think he even said like, Oh, I'm going to use this as part of my sort of like, you know, look, I, I am going to be a professional wrestler, you know, as part of his visa thing. So sort of like, that's why he's trying to do like more media appearances and stuff like that. So yeah, all mm. power to him. If he's, he's having a good time over there, but, um, um, some news that sort of came up last week that I wanted to get your <laughs> opinion on. Um, ITV announced they've commissioned a, a wrestling-based sitcom because that's exactly what audiences were crying out for, where uh, where a girl from a wrestling family becomes frustrated that all uh, promotions wrestlers are getting poached by her evil brother for his promotion. And um, that was the most interesting thing was that Dan Maloney was in the picture for this one. Um, is this any interest of you, Benno, for this uh, ITV wrestling sitcom? I mean, it's kind of sort of like going to be the same stuff we've seen before, just take the piss out of wrestling. And when they do have matches, it's going to be grunting and groaning and, you know, that sort of thing, I imagine. Yeah, from like looking at the the, the photo, like, of it like they use it promotional like straight away you know they've got you know a, a little person as a as a wrestler which of, of course um they'll do that they got a big lad who looks like he could be giant haystacks of course they'll do that um i'm expecting it to be yeah as campy as it sounds um 
on paper, really. Uh, I was going to say it's not going to be quite Rumble from back in the day, but then again, that's what kind of what Rumble was, wasn't it? So you know, yeah. maybe, maybe a, a young generation will uh, enjoy this. Uh, it shocked me, though, like looking at some of the names through it. You know, we've got John Thompson from Cold Feet. They've got Matt Lucas in it. Like, <laughs> like I don't know what he's going to be doing in it. Uh, uh, the Big Heel or the Vince McMahon of the, the show. I don't know. Um, yeah, they're putting some money behind it, but I don't know. Cancelled after a couple of episodes. Is that going to shock you? Yeah, no, I think I'll watch the first episode and then see how it goes from there. But um, yeah, certainly uh, ITV um, seems to be doing a number of wrestling things. So yeah, uh, there's obviously someone who's a fan of wrestling behind the scenes at ITV. But um, yeah, I suppose we've come to the end of the show. Um, any plugs from you, Benno? What, um, you know, what's been going on in, in Grappleland um, the past month or so? Uh, yeah, not a not a huge amount. Um, obviously, with me being out with COVID, we've uh, kind of re- regrouping right now. I can exclusively announce we've got a, a mixtape episode uh, coming up this weekend. Um, we are going to be uh, looking at some of the greatest squash matches in uh, in wrestling history. Um, Sid so not, Vicious, not the best Vader. of then. Yeah, they wanted to do apparently. I think that's while you were off, they decided they were going to do the best of Taz while you were off with COVID. <laughs> uh, well, they did get it done, so that's on them. Um, but yeah, there'll be some Taz involved, um, I imagine, uh, in there as well. So yeah, we got that that coming up uh, this weekend. Um, other than that, yeah, we did a, a WWE UK tournament look back with uh, with Andy Ogden and uh, our King of the Mountain Gunny um, that I think listeners to this podcast would very much enjoy over at patreon.com slash grapple. Looking at that thing five years ago, it was Martin when... Uh, when I, I was wow. uh, on this, uh, well, the, the forerunner to this very, very podcast with you for the first time, the second time talking, uh, talking that that weekend and uh, and what it all meant for the for the Brit scene. Yeah, five years later, it was a uh, very interesting looking back at that. But yeah, you can get our an old podcast grapple spotlight uh, every Monday night. Yeah, always always a great time. Definitely recommend. Uh, I'm assuming most of our listeners already listened to that, but if you don't, definitely definitely check it out and. Yeah, the live show, April the 3rd at the Northern Month Refectory in Leeds. Doors are 3.30 show, 5 till 7. So, you know, uh, if you want to come up for the day and get the last train home, or then if you fancy making a day of it, watch WrestleMania with our friends at Hooked on Wrestling. Uh, you know, it's going to be a fantastic day. All the info at grappleapp.com forward slash support. That's got all your ticket links and all that good stuff in there and more information about the event and the venue and stuff. So definitely, definitely. If you can make it, come and uh, come and hang out with us for the day. And uh, me and Andrew are going to be back with another round of wrestling adventure in a couple of weeks. So look out for that. It's been a been a while since I spoke to Andrew actually on a podcast because uh, we obviously did the uh, the big fat wrestling quiz of the year at the tail end of the year, and then uh, Andrew uh, being the great guy that he is, let me have the time off for my birthday. So he he, he you know uh, held down the fort for that. So yeah, really looking forward to chatting to Andrew. And yeah, thanks to Michael Oku for coming in and thanks to everyone for listening and we will catch you next time.